Welcome, everyone, to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Ho Sway. I'm happy to always get more behind on my gigantic hole of TBRs, <laughs> but I made some some sweet, important buys today. But I'll tell y'all at the end of the episode. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to talk about all that at the end. And I have a couple things to bring up, too, which will be a lot of fun. So Awesome. But you guys know we're here to, here to talk about comic books. And we always start with the comic news. It's been kind of a light couple weeks for news. But, oh, boy, do I have a lot to go over. Some of this will be quick. Uh, we'll, we'll go through it quickly. Um, but some of it, well, we might linger a little bit. Um, some of it, I'm not going to really even jump too much into it because we're going to talk about later. Like I have a little bit about, uh, Goblin Queen, but we'll talk about that when we talk about the book. So, um, now as a follow up to last week's thing where mouse was banned by a school district, a fundraiser, a fundraiser has been done to provide students with free copies of it and raise over eight or almost eighty thousand dollars <laughs> yeah so no, it's, it's crazy how like that whole week is just like it went sold out everywhere and it's like like to say something it's like it went sold out on amazon but it's like fuck it's just been out everywhere too which is really fucking cool yeah and that's really really cool so you know good <laughs> that's just a quick and easy one you know what mm-hmm. i mean like that very, very good so um next thing we've been seeing a lot of creators go to Substack, and we have some new names oh According to Polygon, uh, new wave creators heading include Grant Morrison, Tom King, Elsa Sheratier, Jim Bartell, Carrie Randolph, Joanne Starer, Brian K. Vaughn, huh. and Nico Henriken. So, yeah. Okay. They all, they've also launched, launched a podcast, like uh, Substack has, about manga. Ooh. So that's really interesting if they're going to start doing stuff like that, so... Yeah, um, I know it's an image property, but it only ran for like one one arc, and I've been really upset that I've been like again another one that I've been waiting for. Uh, but I'll be kind of upset if Jen Bartel has been saving Blackbird for Substack because that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> another bit of news: this one isn't huge because it's not a studio we talk about a lot, but it might be a sign of something happening in the future. TKO Studios has signed a distribution deal with Simon and Schuster. Mm-hmm. So, I believe they were with Diamond. Okay. Uh, oh no, they were they were with Ingram. Um, but that's yet another like like another distribution kind of moving away from traditional comic book distribution. I gotcha. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think so. When RDTKO uh, does like their their own spin on things on getting like their their books out, it's pretty, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, definitely. And I know I remember they put out uh, Sentient, which was really, really good. Mm. Um, that's uh, it was a Jeff Lemire book, and it I think it, it got nominated for an Eisner. That's right, it didn't win. Nice, but yeah, so that's really interesting. Another one that I think Josue might be pretty excited about is a new series from AfterShock Comics has been announced. Ooh. Dogs of London. Oh no shit! Okay, and it's courtesy of Peter Milligan. Ah, nice. And uh, it revolves around two characters who once ran with, quote, the dogs, a gang that ruled large swathes of the London crime scene. Um, And it looks like it's going to be incredibly bloody. 
incredibly, incredibly violent. I'm sending you the article right now so you can see what the first cover looks like. It's just, it's really cool. It's like, that's not an actual like character. There's not like a dog person, but that's just like, you know. There's sometimes when I'm just like doom scrolling and it's like, I'll see something cool, but it's like, oh, I'll get to it when I, when it cycles back in again. It's like, oh, this is what that was. Yeah. Oh man. It's like, ever since we've been podcasting, part of my indie world has been Peter Milligan, which has been really fucking fun. And my world is about to be just nothing but Peter Milligan with uh, my side read. So this looks really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like nice and bloody and violent, which is pretty dope. So uh, next thing I'm going to talk about, another one I want to send you. This is so cool. It's, it's barely news, but it's just so cool. We have to talk about it. Uh, so the the manga uh, and anime publisher, Udon, mm-hmm. they handle a lot of like big properties. They're kind of like, you know, they handle outside IPs a lot. Uh-huh. Well, one of the ones they have is Street Fighter. And they're going to do a cover that's going to be drawn by Brett Booth uh-huh. to you right now. And it's a Street Fighter homage to X-Men number one by Jim Lee. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I, I love that it. so fucking much, dude. <laughs> like, you can scroll down. You can see the full version a little further down. Oh, that is With so With Dalzing's good. arm going across the whole thing. and like, Oh, God, yes. So cool. I really, really like that. I love that block as Wolverine, because, like, obviously. <laughs> of course, yeah, clearly. <laughs> so, really dope. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that's really cool. Um, I kind of want to get that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I kind of be on the lookout for that. When does it come out? Uh, oh, I didn't get a date. Because um, I was definitely going to be, I'm going to be going to my conference yeah. shop. It's like, just reserve this for me, please. Yeah, right. Um, plus actually, one. it's now available for purchase. It says. Oh, nice. So yeah. Hmm. Very cool. So, uh, next up, Marvel's announced the new Fantastic Four will return later this year. For those who don't know, the new Fantastic Four <laughs> was a group that was Wolverine, Spider-Man, Hulk, and Ghost Rider, and apparently they're going to return and. It's going to be written by Peter David. Oh, my God. So I have to get it, of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> also, and Hulk is Joe Fixit Hulk, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Uh, which Ghost Rider? Uh, it looks like uh, one of the originals. Okay. Oh, it's, it says Danny Ketch, actually. Ooh. And it is Peter Parker Spider-Man and obviously Logan Wolverine. So. Uh-huh. So yeah, uh, pretty cool. I mean, that'd be fun. I'm curious to see how they get there. I mean, with the, with the you know how Milligan has been doing these uh, throwback books like uh, Symbiote Spider Man. There was another one. Or, I mean, and then Far, right. far Future with uh, uh, Maestro. So this will probably be another just like one of those like untold stories. But yeah, because Catch as Ghost Rider. Last time we saw, it, it was like he was doing some other shit. And but I love me Catch as Ghost Rider, so I might buy this. Yeah. Next up, we finally got. Some details on something we've kind of knew was coming, mm. which is the big crossover this year is called Judgment Day. Oh my god. The Avengers, the X-Men, and the Eternals go to war. It looks like to me the X-Men and the Eternals go to war, and the Avengers are like, please stop fighting. Basically. <laughs> so it will be written by Karen Gillan. Uh-huh. Illustrated by Valerio Shiti. That'll be cool. What a team. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's incredible. Uh, apparently, Eternals will discover truth about mutant kind that will lead them into conflict with the X-Men. 
at a time when the group is at the apex of its power. Uh, while that's going on, the Avengers, who are headquartered inside of a fallen celestial, discover a truth. So, yes. It was just 10 years ago that I was a uh, AVX, so it's like, yeah. might as well throw in the Eternals. Only, like, the Eternals, Kyrian's Eternals book just started, and now you're going to make them the bad guys? Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, Avengers, like, whatever, Who are, who is you right now? The Eternals... Uh, your ruler Thanos, and I'm gonna go fucking party with the mutants. It's not a hard choice here. Uh, and yeah, that's I, I actually posted about this on our Twitter, but I thought it was great how they le- they put that druid quote, you know, basically mm-hmm. like fuck the X Men, and every person on X Men was like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, like, every one of us was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, go away. I saw one was just said, what is a druid? <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> So I love that. I can't wait. It's going to be like Civil War all over again. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just people taking sides. But yeah. Uh, next up, unfortunately, a little bit of sad news. And this one, I, it kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, wait, what? Um, unfortunately, we've lost a very prominent comic creator, Brian Augustine. Okay. Uh, Didn't hear. He, he uh, of course, was known for his work on Gotham by Gaslight and The Flash. Oh. Um, he, when he, uh, when he was on the flash, he worked with Mark Wade. It was Mark mm-hmm. Wade's run of the flash, which is one of my favorite DC eras ever is that run in the nineties. Mm-hmm. That's like the impulse era and stuff. Like they did a lot of that stuff. So it's unfortunate, you know, like, uh, he passed, he's done a lot of stuff. Um, he's also been an editor and he's really known for like helping other people get started is the thing. So. Uh, so there's a lot of people that owe their careers, at least in part, to him. Mm-hmm. So it really sucks. Uh, just so you know, him and Mark Wade, um, some of the things they did in The Flash, just to give you an idea of how much he formed what The Flash is, mm-hmm. they came up with the concept of the Speed Force. Oh, for real? Okay. Yeah. They introduced Max Mercury and Jesse Quick. Huh. And they're the ones who launched Impulse, you know, the new kid Flash, as his own thing. Mm-hmm. So, it's such a shame, but, you know, I've seen a lot of posts about it on Twitter. People, you know, send out great messages. And it's just, yeah, it's a real shame he passed away at the age of 67. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. But, I have one bit of news left, Hostway, and I want to mm-hmm. save this one for last. <laughs> because uh, one of our former interviewees oh. has got quite a glam up, and I'm very happy for him. Um, David Popose, oh. uh, who I know from Spencer and Locke and going to the chapel and the Remy award winning scouts honor, um, <laughs> has been announced his first, I would say major book, yeah. which is Savage Avengers and who boy, I'm excited. So. He's taking over Savage Avengers with a new numbering. It's going to be penciled by Carlos Magno. And the cast is insane. Uh, so we'll quickly run it down real quick. First of all, we got, of course, Conan. Because yeah. Savage Avengers kind of revolves around Conan, you know. Um, we also got Deathlock. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We got Anti-Venom. Yes! Very cool to see Anti-Venom back. But I want to know who. Yeah, exactly. We have Weapon H, 
which I kept seeing online. People were like, I thought they forgot about Weapon E. <laughs> we got Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Which, thank God they're finally in a book, because they're such a, unused characters. And they totally. Everywhere. And then the two ones that are really like important to the two of us, because of our recent reads and stuff. Black Knight. Now yes. is it both of them? I know, that was my first thought. <laughs> yeah, so, and then of course, Daredevil, the woman without fear. Right. Like for herself. It is the most Thunderbolt book. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like it was funny because like they released it bit by bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the picture, I think it was just the picture of Weapon H and Deathbog, and someone's like, oh, another Thunderbolts book. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't think it's going to be that. And then, yeah, Popose, dude, doing it. Oh, I'm just so excited. It's going to be Yeah, no, having a Popose book next to, like, you know, like you know, when you see them in the comic book shops, they're going to be next to the other Avengers book, like the main run. So it's like, well, let me pick this one up, too. It's like, fuck yeah, dude. That's, that's a big win right there. Yeah, I'm on board. I didn't buy the other one because it was like, you know, you can only buy so many books. You know yeah. what I mean? But, I mean, David David's never steered me wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I loved Scout's Honor. I absolutely adore Spencer and Locke, and I highly recommend Spencer and Locke to anyone out there. I still want to be on the lookout for those. Yeah, and then uh, Going to the Chapel was an awesome little one-shot graphic novel that was really cute, and I just really love it. I love how David, I, I talk about it, every time I talk about him, he takes a preconceived idea and twists it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, the Boy Scouts, except they're the only thing holding back monsters in the post-apocalypse. Nice. Or Calvin and Hobbes, except he's a grizzled detective, and Hobbes is his imaginary partner, and, I want and, so and the bad guys are like Beetle Bailey and stuff like that. Like it's just oh God, I need it so bad. It's so good, dude. Like, and then going to the chapel is like kind of a flip on. Like, I, I won't get to that too much. It's really good though. <gasps> is so, there a zits take? I fucking love zits. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of comic strip references. Oh, in, God, okay, I need Spencer and Locke. Need to find it. It's so good. There's two volumes too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Me and him talked about the third volume, and I gave him my pitch. But oh, cool. <laughs> I probably should. <laughs> so now he can't do it. Uh, so yeah, I'm very excited about this book. I'm just. I'm also excited to see one of the coolest dudes get an opportunity. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I. Uh, I just can't wait. I can't wait to see what he does. It's going to be insane. I highly recommend everybody picks it up. So that is my news for the week. Unless you had something to add. Um, Saga is back still. Yes. <laughs> no word on it ever going away yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> BKB's like, I need to take three weeks or three years off. <laughs> so. All right. Well, we're going to start talking about some comics. And you know, on We Have Issues, we only start by doing one thing, and that is with a big fat boom. Boom Studios. We got two books for Boom this week. Um, my first one, it's a solo book, and it is Buckhead. Number three. And we got a very unique uh, situation here this week. Um, there's a book we're going to talk about later on, a number one, an image. And we actually have two books by a writer named Shobo this week. He's actually the writer of both of these books, which is kind of a fun overlap one. So, uh, All right. So, Buckhead, number three. This is the one with the little boy who moves to the, to the new town. Um, his dad's missing. He finds out he's in a computer game. All the people in the town have weird tattoos. It's a boombox book. Um, written by Shobo, art by George Cambadius, and letter by Jim Campbell. This one's where it got really cool, and this is where it takes, like, um, 
it starts feeling like like books like Spectre Inspectors or um, Proctor Valley Road, things like that. This is where it starts to feel like it because there's actually a team now is the idea. Um, so basically this kid moved to town and he's rescued by this girl and he finds out that, oh, yes, someone's controlling everybody in town except these four kids. So the only ones who are free. So they kind of have to work together. And this issue is mostly them getting to know each other and kind of explaining the plot to the audience, which is really good. It's a good place to jump in. Um, but basically, yeah, long story short, it's a combination of like technology, but also like this, um, like this folklore, this African folklore thing about one of the um, eight warlords of chaos. And it's trapped in this thing. And that's what, that's what's causing everything. And they have to basically get around town without being seen by everybody. Uh, all the mind control people. The girl that catches or, or saves him, you find out she's actually been like, she found out about it and has been hiding for like months on her own. Yeah, yeah. And so she's the, been the one like hide, holding everything off. So she's kind of like really, like kind of a socially inept and very abrupt with them. So it, it, she adds like a nice little bit of tension in the group, but she's obviously the one that knows what's going on and can work on stuff. So it's really cool. There's also. You start to see the the robot men that are actually like programming everybody, and they're pretty creepy looking. Like uh, this is a shot of one of them right there. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, I really like this book. It's been a lot of fun. I think it's going to be around like Proctor Valley Road, like you know, like Spectre Inspectors. It's going to feel like that in the end. God, I'm really enjoying books, so. and they're both great. Boombox kills it with that kind of story. Like young adult group stories, yeah. Either okay. a horror or sci-fi twist. <laughs> like I'm trying to think. No, no. Spectre Inspectors was the boombox, not Proctor Valley Road. Yeah, yeah. Next up, a book we share, and I didn't know this book came out this week. Oh, and nice. I I couldn't find Buckhead, and I called one of my shops. And I'm like, "Do you have Buckhead?" And he's like, "Yeah." So I went to pick it up today, actually. Ooh. And I saw Basilisk sitting there, and I'm like, "Oh shit, Basilisk!" <laughs> so I'm really glad. Basilisk number seven. Uh, this one, oh man, this is a good one. Uh, so, written by Colin Bunn, illustrated by Jonas Scharf, colored by Alex Guimaraes, lettered by Ed Dukeshire. It is safe to say that things have escalated. <laughs> yeah. So, so, we know the Chimera, we, the five of them, they have the different powers and stuff. And we discovered when the one died, his power passed on to one of the others. So they're kind of determined, oh, if we die, it passes on to one of us. And they they have a bit of like, how, how does it determine? No one really knows how it determines who it goes to or anything like that. So meanwhile, the fight continues. Let's just say there are a couple losses in this issue. <laughs> uh, one of which is pretty directly implied, I would say. Oh, all but confirmed at the end. Uh, but it does seem to happen off screen. So, unless they said it, I feel like the first one was like the most like off panel, unconfirmed. I, I the the ending one, I I totally buy that one. Just oh, yeah, whole... I one hundred percent think it happened. But if you don't see it, you don't see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm one of those people. So, um, but yeah, it seems like everything's coming to a head, and it seems like it's going to be a much more personal one on one or two on one fight in the end. Mm-hmm. So. But really cool. Really, really digging it. Um, what do you think? Uh, this issue was really the issue that just kept on giving. And it was like a lot of fun. It was very, very tense. Uh, very intense on, on other scenes. Like the opening was really good. The fight in the middle. And then just like that eerie 
closer was just like, oh god, this book book is just so juicy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's really good, and I'm wondering how much longer can it go. I know. I now that we've kind of cut the chimera down a few heads, uh, keeping it not spoiling. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I wonder how many how many more issue seven, a good rounded eight, maybe, maybe, yeah, or ten, ten, maybe. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, really cool. Really enjoying it. It's just it's. It's escalating. And that's the best way I could say it's escalating mm-hmm. to a point that I can't wait to see what happens. So. Definitely really like this issue where it didn't just like raise more questions. You're kind of like already in the nose. So you kind of like really write along with them. And it's like, it was like a really good issue to do that to, with. Yeah, totally. All right. Next up, Hosway is going to tell us about all hell behemoth and nobody's child. Number five, nobody's child. Number five by Massimo Rossi and Ramiro Borrayo. And in this one, we have our rhinoceros back. And the plan is, let's just get out of the continent. It's just, it's, it's just not safe for the last white rhinoceros in the sound. We're already, get, we're already getting a chase after, but they don't exactly know where they are. And it's like, they, they kind of do. They have a, I think they have an idea where, where uh, the dude is at with the rhino. And they're basically, they're, they're right now he's a uh, hidden it, or he's being taken care of by his like hidden village um, where they have like, Oh shit! God damn it! <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they have like magic antibiotics, and like they can, uh, and they restored him and and the rhinoceros just like Ronald's like this one little serum, and they finally was like, "Cool, thanks for thanks for all the help. We're gonna try to hit, hit the coast, and we'll figure it out after that." And the friend that kind of saved him becomes a stowaway, and just like because she was like, "You know what? There's like nothing left for me here." Let me just uh, follow this path, and sure enough, there's like the, where the bad guys showed up after getting some information, and they do find the town. They don't know this, and they just like raise it to the ground to just get more information, just follow, keep on the rhinoceros. And at the end, it just becomes a chase and a good a, um, a chase to the coast, and we'll see if they can make it to the boat, or if it's just going to be one of those like they just let the. We'll see if they. We'll see how the rhinoceros ends up. At least in this one, I didn't get too hurt. Um, the next one might. Could be the last one. Behemoth also has like these like weird uh, numberings uh, for for arcs. Nice. Did you do the creative team? Yes. Oh, can you repeat it for me? Yeah, um, Massimo Rossi and Ramiro Ramiro Borrayo. Oh, okay. Just writer artist, no letter or anything. No. Yeah, okay. it just has like the two names. Oh, I just want to make sure. <laughs> I thought I missed something. Cool. Oh. Awesome. All right. Well, next up, we're switching gears again, and I'm going to go over to Oni Press. Mm, yes. And I'm going to talk about Rick and Morty, the heretics of Rick. <laughs> so, yes, it is the Dune one. Yeah. And it is a full-on Dune parody. Awesome. Uh, written by Amy Chu and Alexander Chang, illustrated by illustrated and colored by Sarah Stern and lettered by Crank. So, basically... It starts like a lot of Rick and Morty stories start, where it's basically Rick's like, hey, we need to go do a thing, and Morty gets dragged along. And Rick is like, we need to go... I I found the location of the most valuable naturally occurring substance in the known galaxy. It's a powerful hallucinogenic known to mankind, uh, or it's, it's the most powerful hallucinogenic known to mankind, amplified tenfold. We call it the sauce. (laughs) And they end up crashing on a desert planet. 
And they find a bit of it, and Rick starts tripping balls. Then a bunch of flying soldiers show in, and they're all Jerry. (laughs) And they're attacking them. And then the math teacher is... (laughs) It's it's just the most straight-up parody they've done in one of the comics, and I love it. Um... They Rick hears something coming in the ground. He hears a rumble. And he says, by the size and frequency of the vibration, it's something slightly smaller than a slut dragon. And oh possibly God. bigger than my schlong. And of course, it was the sandworm. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay, that's bigger than a slut dragon. They run. <laughs> um, uh, long story short, they get rescued by the desert nomads. And of course, it's Beth. It's later <laughs> the desert nomads. Of course. Uh, Morty is the chosen one because they have the box, right? Uh-huh. Oh my it's god. Like you have to use the box to prove the chosen one. Rick presses the button and nothing happens. And they're like, well, Morty, you try it. And he does, and it's a Meeseeks box. I fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and so Meeseeks pops up. He's like, he's like, how can I help you? And Morty's like, I really need a glass of water. And he goes, here you go, and disappears. <laughs> and then they're just like, yeah. And it, it, it follows the story of Doom. It's great. I don't need to go page by page. It's fantastic. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I think it's a one-shot. I'm oh, pretty okay. sure it's a one-shot. Um, and there's a, like a whole tease. Maybe it was all a dream at the end, but maybe it wasn't. Like, it is good. It was it was a fun Rick and Morty book, you know. Like, um, Doom gets so, like, lore-heavy with all the different factions. So... The bad teacher running all these Jerry clothes. I want to know all about that or how it mirrors. <laughs> That's so yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, there's a lot to go through in one issue. So I think they kind of. No, I'm like, definitely going to be able to look out for this one. So, yeah. But um, pretty cool. So uh, next up, Josue is going to tell us a bit about AWA Studios. Yes. Bit of a bit of a pivot for us. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Primos number one. I couldn't help myself. Look at it. Oh, Look yeah. how cool that team is. Right? And with the flag like that in the back, awesome. And Primos is done by, story by, Al Madrigal as a writer and Carlo Barberi as an artist and the uh, the variant cover artist. Oh, uh, Brian Reaver's a colorist and world... Uh, Design for the lettering. Okay. So this will be a really cool, like, I can see, like, yeah, it'll be pretty YA. It is pretty YA. It is, it'll just, like, a, a kid ensemble based on Primo's, on the on these uh, three cousins. And it opens up with, like, with our, your, the main character being kind of, like, um, being, a uh, fuck, um, oh, God. Insecure, just like about his powers, and like uh, while while the his cousins are like really fucking badass, and they're just like showing and just like being like they're like they're not just like doubting themselves, but like this fucking shot better up close to them, they're just like so fucking dope, mm-hmm. and he's just like like going through like their profiles, like how 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 and why each of them are badass, and and then we get the the backstory, and it almost becomes like like the dude the dude kind of looks like like uh, Alexander Nova Alexander Nova. He just has like this, like it, it, it's like they're all kids, and he's like an older brother. He always, he has to take care of a uh, the little one, like but he's always like kind of like out and about. And then one night, you get this really old, <laughs> this th- like thousand plus year old Mayan 
dude just shows up in their in their apartment and he gives us uh and he gives us all the exposition and back in the day um the mayans actually uh, discovered how to build a rocket a ship and these two brothers got to go what is that supposed to it was only supposed to be one but uh the other brother kind of got to go and it was kind of like it was for good i was like why wouldn't he but it's kind of was spark of like there's a reason maybe why he shouldn't have gone on this jealousy and like kind of why it all went uh, wrong. And they hit this portal, they find aliens and in it, it was just like this council of other planets version of Mayans. It's actually a really fucking cool council of Mayans. And these, uh, uh, these aliens just said uh, pretty much like give like the, the speech, like go back to your planets, like kind of like have them be enlightened, enlightened so they can kind of come up to the, the galactic council basically like, and it all, and all will be well. And on the way, and there's like a party, like another after party. It's like cool, like we did it. We're we're halfway there to be part of the alien race. Um, and on the way back, there's like a weird dialogue on like they ask the brother that maybe she shouldn't have gone, but he's kind of like the one who designed the ship. Uh, they ask they ask him like, yo, just make sure to double check on those coordinates. And he's like, yeah, yeah that's cool. I, I made the ship. And even the brother's like, yo, are you sure? Let's maybe we should maybe we shouldn't leave so hastily. And they go through the portal, and it. Not so much in like the apes form, but because the Planet of the Apes fashion, where they just came back in the year 2022 and they missed out on everything, and the and it's just like the ruins of the Mayan temples. <laughs> so he's just like just confused on just like coming back into town. But I think we're slowly going to get into um, separating or like discovering how the all the kids like got the powers because we just get like that quick intro. They already have them, and then we just get exposition on the backstory. So we still don't know how each of the kids meet up or. How they're all like well, cousins related, but uh, yeah, how they get like the cool powers. And what was really cool is I didn't read it in English as this one did. I got the Spanish version. Yeah, I couldn't help myself, and it was actually really fun to read in Spanish. Although it's a little too censored—not censored, but it's like like some of the curse words um, that in the Spanish book have like the comics like different uh, symbols. Um, and then I look over and so then I peep, I'd peek over to the English one and it'd be like a quick hell or damn. It's kind of like, well, those are just like, those are the, Eng- are the English one. Like, right. They're, and they're set on the English one. They're not bleeped out. And it's like, ah, oh, like maybe the, the Spanish one is just a little too kid friendly, but it is kind of very why, which is kind of like what I'm, I'm appreciating about like maybe the relationship between the cousins. I'm, I'm stoked for it. Um, all right. Next up. Let's see. Let's actually switch over to Aftershock. Uh, very briefly, we're going to talk about Aftershock and uh, Dark Red. Written by Tim Seeley, drawn by Corin Howe, colored by Michael Englert, and lettered by Carlos Mangual. Now, we love Tim Seeley, obviously. We've talked about it in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I read all the way through it, but I'm not going to talk too much about it. I enjoyed it. But it took me getting through it to realize, oh, this isn't the first part of the story. <laughs> and now I really want to go back and read the rest of it. I really enjoyed it, and I think it's super dope. And I can't wait to read the rest of it, because I, I think the main character is really likable. Or not likable, but likable is not the word. <laughs> um, fascinating. Okay. Like, he's he's interesting. He's Ooh, okay. He, he has a pull to him that I want to definitely find out more, so... 
Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I'm not going to talk too much about it. Josue didn't read it because for the exact same reason. Yeah. I, I, there's more of it, and I want to get it first. It was so. just like the title again, like really long, Dark Red, where the roads lead is like, okay, there's a little too much to it. And then, yeah, my research is like, and I read a little bit, and it's like, no, no, let me look back in. Like I was saying before pre-show, sure enough, Cosmic Monkey came clutch with the fucking hardcover of the first part. <laughs> so I'll definitely be reading that soon. Um, they had the, the two uh, trades, but then like this little baby hardcover. This is like my first, I think my first uh, Aftershock trade I have. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, if I'm thinking about it right, like I don't think I have another Aftershock trade. Hmm. That's really interesting. And also what I meant by um, the, the long title is that um, Curse Pirate Girl does also have a first volume. I'm going to have to put a special order for it. Like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have to get that. So, yeah. But I really enjoyed it. If you're a fan of the original run, take mm-hmm. it up. Also, also what uh, what really got me uh, to get this uh, book, Tim Seeley, of course, but Karen Howell, fucking um, the Shadow Service artist. Oh, that's what I was like. And then just like focusing on vampires. Like, I was going to be all about it. But I need to read the first one first. Now we're going to switch publishers, and Josue is going to talk to us about another bad idea. This case, Monster Kill Squad number three. Monster Kill Squad number three. This one written by Crystal's Gage, art by Thomas uh, Giorreo, uh, color by Andrew Dollhouse, and Dave Sharp with letters. And it was really, really good. Um, just uh, and, and this one, they deal with the uh, demons, and that they kind of get overrun, like pretty freaking gnarly um and so they they realize that they're dealing with yeah demons and they realize they can't do really much about anything because they're almost like too immortal and just guns can't really do much or not as much of anything else again numbers so they call in the calvary and they realize how de- realizing how demons work again monster kill squad not a very serious book calvary being uh, this organization's lawyer and this lawyer out deals these demons and like, yeah, they're almost like they do sign their souls to the, to these demons, but after so much bullshit <laughs> and it's just like, it's actually really, a really cool to turn around. Um, but at the end um, it is, uh, I think uh, the main villain shows up and like uh, Pandora basically shows up to retrieve her box. So that'll be like the next step. But I want to do that one really quick. Because the B side in this one, dude, dude, when this shit comes out, I think you might have to read this one with me because it's actually really fucking awesome. This B side by Matt Kent, and the dude's been killing all of his bad idea books. Um, this one, this art is also done by as well by Thomas Giorreo, and his art is actually really fantastic. Like Monster Kill Squad, I said, I'm kind of joking with it, but the art is really fucking cool, and I'll elaborate in a second. Um, Diego Rodriguez also uh, does the color on this one and Dave Sharp with the lettering. So in this one, it's this group of heroes and it's like this really cool ragtag with the heroes. There's like a deep fake, a bioengineered organic AI, a spear. He's just like a, a, a flyer. Oh, he, has, he has a flyer. He is a flyer and he throws a spear. Uh, numb, uh, indestructible, can't hurt, can feel pain, get it. And then, then there's me, uh, the, the, the actual leader. And just check out this scene. Really fucking cool. And yeah, that's pretty cool. And this team is just like, yeah, it's like the the superhero team. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to deal with this this elemental. And they also like there's like there's like a setup, there's like a plan. Spear dies. Spear dies, and because of it, uh by by that effect, another person dies. 
And the whole time the main character is narrating, his power is to blink his eyes. And he gets to reset time to wherever he wants. So he basically can always think of a new plan. And they keep dying. They keep trying to, and he keeps, they keep trying to figure out how to best work it. And at the end, he just, uh, he just drops the ball where it's just like, and at the end, we say, we say the day, sure. They never know. They think they just did it at hashtag first try. We solved it in 10, 15 minutes. To me, it's been 10 hours. So he gets to live that fucking time. And then it does a time jump to one year later. And it is, a fallout situation and the heroes are just like bro fucking blink take us back and he's just like i can't i I this this is as good as it gets guys i you don't know this but i we have tried i have tried and it just gets you just see like a map of the u.s and it's just like holes in it and it just says to be continued so please i want this fucking book so bad nice these b-sides sometimes can be kind of like kind of cheesy or just like be like these little throwaways these b-sides but this one and so sometimes it can get really good and this one was oh my god i want that book <laughs> mad kit please <laughs> that's pretty dope dude so, mm-hmm. nice all right uh now we are going to go ahead and open the vault yes we have a vault book this week and it is human remains number five Written by Peter Milligan, drawn by Sally Cantorino, color by Deirdre Kelly, and letter by End World. Um, so this is a really great issue is when we start actually looking into um, kind of a little bit more about what's going on and why it's happening, why these monsters are killing people. And it might be more of a sympathetic reason than we thought. I'm not getting too much into the details of it because I want people to read the book, but um, it's definitely interesting. And... Um, we get to see little unique things happen in this issue that we haven't seen yet. Um, for instance, maybe somebody connecting to the one of the monsters and understanding them a bit more. That definitely happens in this book. And somebody actually preventing one of the attacks by thinking quick and maybe something more. Like it, It's just really interesting because maybe it's not just a plague that's here to destroy us all. Maybe there's a way to work around it. And I'm really digging it. Um, I, I think it's a really cool book. I think the general is becoming more and more of a compelling story. And I like how the doctor and the general have kind of switched places in their beliefs. And that kind of is just interesting how certain things can affect you and make you do that. So um, yeah, thoroughly great. Uh, It's the only vault book this week, but I really, I really dug it. Curious to see how much longer this is going to go. All right. Now we're going to talk about image comics. Josue, tell me about ant number two. Um, Ant number two. Uh, this one is Story, R and Color by Eric Larson, flats by Mark Torres, letters by Jack uh, Morelli, and Josh Eichhorn. It's a special shout out for is the worst nuisance on the beach. And of course, based part on the work of Mark Gully, the creator. Um, so again, this book is supposed to be the thing that's supposed to be tying in loose ends, untold stuff to better tell the original run. Because it did jump when it would jump out from writer to a writer to back to the original, they kept adding stuff, con- and then continuity wise, just started being a whole mess. So this was kind of like the answer to that, and it was the character that Eric Larson actually always liked. So now I do appreciate how simple this book is, at least like for like old school image wise. Um, 
And so, so plot is just like um, our character uh, dealing with uh, terrorists from back in the day because I think it's still taking place in like early 2000s. So a lot of comic books are doing that. And uh, our protagonist goes berserk, ant goes berserk, and kills almost a whole platoon of um, of uh, terrorists. But I still, I'm still not sure if she actually wiped out the whole town because she just goes red. And then right. the would be spy. Uh, he's had this kill switch and you think he's going to be kind of like this little like sleazy dude. But in the end, he kind of like, he's, he kind of just monologues to himself and he kind of implies he's going to keep her safe. Um, and so what's really interesting is like, you think it would be continued from here, but like I said, it's supposed to tie in the, into the original series and very early on into the ant uh, series back when, I mean, back when image was more in like, we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> the next issue is going to have spawn. Just going to show you again. And I don't know who this character is. So I'm, I'm really excited to read him later. Might be like a Spawn villain. Uh, he looks really familiar, and I'm drawing a blank. But it's like it's gonna be like a little um, crossover in this image book. Nice, awesome. All right, next up, I am gonna talk about, or we're gonna talk about together. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, the rest of these books, we share them. Uh, we're gonna talk about a thing called Truth Number Four. Um, so I'll be quick because it's not the, um, it's not the last issue. It's a number four. That's one of our catchphrases here is it's a number four mm-hmm. issue. Um, but we are definitely building up to the end. Um, and it's, it's adorable. I mean, again, we, we have the doctor and, um, I, I really like the fact that she's opening up in this adventure that they're having in Madrid. Yeah. Uh, and just, just to, by the way, um, written by Yolanda Zanfardino and drawn by Elisa Rivoli, yes. before I forget. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I really like it. Um, I think we, like, we've basically kind of assumed there's a romantic attraction here. Yeah. And um, we, we basically get that confirmed at least one direction mm-hmm. um, by the end of it. So that was really good. And um, it's just cute. It's just really cute and fun and the only thing is, is there's this looming thing in the background. Yeah, no. <laughs> that we've been worried about, which is the reveal of, oh, my brother died of a rare disease. And the doctor is a doctor who had a way of curing rare diseases. Uh-oh. And we're kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. And I don't think I want it to. I, think <laughs> I don't think I want it to match up. You mm-hmm. know, like... It, it, it's narratively satisfying, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, no, let them be happy. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. What, anything you want? To uh, the, the, I love this issue for like how they just both, because it, it's always been, um, God, what, what's the blonde one's name? It's always her pushing the doctor. Um, but in this one, it's more, they, they started both pushing each other, like, like the whole Jack show sequence, just to give her like that, that confidence as well. And like the whole scene when it's like, Ooh, an aspiring folk queen is like, ah, uh, to just be at the show. <laughs> really cool. And then of course the doctor finally got to sing and that was actually a really nice, a really nice moment. And yeah, the, the, the confirmation at the end from one direction, was actually very fucking cute. I was, gosh, she's so pretty. Like uh, the, that last panel was just so pretty. Yeah, yeah, it's just really cool, and it's a fun. Way. Also, the uh, the drag sequence, yeah, like right. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, dressing like the way she's not used to, <laughs> right? You know what I mean, and uh, and having to go out there, and then again, another bit of a tease of how there's 
definitely an interest there. Definitely an attraction mm-hmm. there. You know what I mean? Like, and I thought that was that was interesting. Like, she's nervous, but she she lets it happen because of this. Oh, and we and uh, spoiler, we recorded this part twice. By the way, oh, and her name is Dorian. Dorian, yes. Um, we recorded this part twice because the recorder messed up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's fine because we're actually bringing up stuff we forgot to bring up. The scene with the lavender. Yes. Was so sweet and adorable. And just like the whole, but then the line, that strong scent invaded the car and never went away completely until the day it got destroyed. <laughs> so it's like, what's going to happen? Like, it's just, it's a really good little tease without being too ominous, but it's still really good. I, I loved it. It was, it was a really good issue. And um, I think these two are such a great team and I would love to see them get more of a long-term story, like an ongoing of some sort. Yeah. Or something longer because I want to see what they come up with, but that might not be what they want to do, or they might not have had an opportunity to. Um, if someone out there wants to give them an opportunity to do that, I would highly recommend. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, really, really good. Uh, anything else you want to add? Um, no, I just, I, I just, I've, there's so many sequences in this book all, all together, and this issue in particular, which like really, really nice touches. Um, I don't want this book to go in the, the next issue. <laughs> I really do want to see yeah. more of these two, the, uh, these two just going going together into forever. Yeah, definitely. All right, next book is New Masters number one, uh, number one for us from Image, uh, written by Shobo Coker and written by Shof Coker. I hope those pronunciations pronunciations are good. Um, so yeah, this one it's it's got a really great. Um, like start it launches really well it it introduces the main character and makes her relatable and likable you click with her it it reminds me a bit actually of eve when eve launched and that first issue you're like i love this character like immediately you just have this great relationship with her and i think that's one of the most difficult things to do in fiction in general not just comics but to quickly make the audience give a shit you know what I mean? Like just to, just to be as clear as possible, and I think they do a really great job of making us give a shit at all. I love her design. I love the markings around the mouth. I, think I so know. I cool really looking. like that set, that touch. Yeah, and I like the world that they're building. Um, there's this really cool haves and the have-nots thing that's coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, people that have money, people that don't. Um, I think there's a connection between her. And the lady from the uh, the trade, uh, like or, like around the table. The whole the, second the, chapter, the, yeah, it really just cuts away from the from the first half, which is like really cool because like you do get these two different sides of how to how to build the exposition in this book. Yeah, and she, the main character keeps ignoring phone calls from her yeah. mother, and I'm like, is that her? Uh huh. So I'm kind of like, who? Interesting. And then I like the last pages where they literally just lay out. Here's a bunch of people you're going to meet over the next few issues. Basically, like, here's the polymath, the leader, the con man, the warrior. Here's these gr- these gangs. You know, like it's literally like this is what you have to look forward to, which I think is really dope. So I really enjoyed this. I thought this was really cool. It's unique. It's got a great flavor of its own. I, I think it's a has a lot of potential to be a really good book. Yeah, no, I, you know, um, I I do like the setup and it's like new masters, but it's like there's a part of the exposition I was trying to find the page on like where exactly everything got hit. But it was like it was like New York, London, Berlin, and Hong Kong. 
maybe not that last one, but at least like predominantly light skinned areas that just gets like wiped out. So it's like new masters and, and you just get this like council of like who, what kind of people are running or kind of almost like aliens also running it, especially after what, what's going on now. The sci-fi world is like structured mm-hmm. really, really cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually really stoked on how, how it just keeps building from here. Yeah, definitely. Really, really cool digging it. So uh, next up, Noctera, number seven. We journey back to Noctera. Other than the special, this is our first back or journey back to Noctera in like four or five months. Yeah, we had that one shot. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, story by Scott Snyder and Tony S. Daniel, with pencils by Tony S. Daniel, inks by Sandu Florea and Tony S. Daniel, colors by Marcelo Milo, and letter by Ann World. Um, <laughs> I, I really like the turn that we talked about a bit before we started recording. I, this definitely feels like a new arc, a new a new part of the mm-hmm. story. There's definitely a time skip, first of all. Um, and instead of being about one lone badass warrior, you know, like the, the, um, like the Western cliche, you know, like the one lone gunman <laughs> protecting the family, you know, or something like that. It becomes more of an ensemble cast. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. I like I like how each of the different trucks has a different like feel and each person has a different role and we get introduced to all of them. They don't all make it through the issue, but oh. you know, like and that would that was a really cool I know you have a particular uh thing about giant monsters hitting underwater. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's fucking scary, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so that was definitely interesting. And I really like the fact that in the end they're going to have to find Blacktop Bill. Yeah. That's a really cool way to tie everything back. Because, uh, yeah, we have to, we do have to find, I mean, Blacktop Bill has to get involved again somehow, <laughs> you know, because he's the bad guy of all the bad guys. So I thought that was a really cool way to do it. And um, I definitely think this, whereas I did enjoy the first arc, I definitely think this is taking the story on a direction that I'm going to really enjoy. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, so really, really cool. Uh, anything you want to add? Uh, first, I got the Danny variant because fucking Danny. God, it got yeah. so good. Um, I, I really like this direction. It's like, it, yes, we're definitely in this in the second volume of this, the second arc of this, and it's doing the thing that I actually really, really enjoy from Scott Snyder, and it's uh, just flipping the direction or the feel of the book. I was okay. I, I I did enjoy it, but I was still feeling like what kind of groove we we're going to go with the first arc. And now with this one, I like that. It's like just different again with the ensemble. It just, everything's kind of feels more just like liven up, but again, like still, it can be very terrifying with like what happens in this issue. Really cool. Really took my breath away where I'm just like, all right, maybe we should get out of the water. Now that page, I love a good page turn. Oh my God. Literally made me gasp. Um, so I'm getting like for this one, I, I get <laughs> It's almost like um, a Fury Road where it's like, we got to go reach a destination, but now we just got to go all the way back. So now we're going to Blacktop Bill, <laughs> but just nighttime. Um, also, just uh, the the reason why I'm liking like the, the feel uh, turn is because, again, a book that I get to, sh- uh, I really shout out every time we talk, I talk to uh, Scott Snyder that I don't hear other people really talk about enough is uh, The Wake. The first half is really fucking good. Feels very The Thing-esque vibes like that kind of good chill and then the second half is just a whole different just monster of a of a really really cool story and this is like kind of doing that 
Oh, wait, you're muted again. Yes. yes. Sorry. I okay. <laughs> muted myself and forgot to unmute. Okay. No, I, I think it's really cool. I think it's a, it's the world is getting more interesting. I like that there's a purpose besides running away now. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a purpose. We can fix this, you know, and that's kind of what they're doing now, which is really yeah. cool. So, um, yeah, re- I think it, again, I think it took a really great turn for yeah, the good. Yeah, I really liked it. So, yeah, awesome. All right. Next up, uh, we're going to talk about Echo. <laughs> Yeah, so Echo Land. Did you get cover A? Uh, I got this one. Yeah. Wait, I don't. <laughs> I was going to get that too because like, all the cards are really sweet, but then I, I remembered where we were going, and then it's just like, oh, bro, this. Oh, that's sick. I didn't even see right? that. Right. I remember that. Oh, we're going to Horror Hill. So I was like, this is, looks. Oof, yes. So. Co-created and written by J.H. Williams III and, and W. Hayden Blackman. Uh, art and design by J.H. Williams III. Colors by Dave Stewart and letter by Todd Klein. Um, so yeah, Josue kind of said it where you went to Horror Hill. But there's a bit of a thing here where um, they're kind of forcibly joined. <laughs> like they kind of get new party members, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and um, it all comes down to the whole oracles like it's destined. Don't 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 argue. It's destined, you know. Like it's just great. So, so we go to Horror Hill and we get this really cool sequence. First of all, uh, the the rocket's cool. The whole journey, the, the that whole part, awesome. I loved it too. Yeah, I love how pulpy this book mm-hmm. is. It's like a pulp hero story, and I really enjoy that. Um, but yeah, just that one page of them in in the night or in the sky, and everybody having different reactions to how high up they are was really great. <laughs> yeah. But then once we get to Horror Hill and the art locks into that Horror Hill style. Oh, it's so good. I love that you get this like last color spot and it's just gray. Oh, the yep. rest. Yep. Uh, and then we, you know, they get confronted by zombies. And it's just like, well, yeah, they would, <laughs> wouldn't they? And uh, there's this whole thing where um, we're dealing with, oh, the, you know, the, the king, the king who is her brother. <sighs> Uh, you know, he he wants to kill me before I take back the crown he stole. But then we get the twist where he's like, here you go, here's the crown. <laughs> like, and I'm like, shit, what happened? That he's like, nope, I'm done with this. So that's kind of where we leave off. Really cool. It does look like we're still going to keep checking in with the Oracle, which is really cool because I know you love that <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, he's so cool. Um, so, yeah, really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's just... The changing art style—it just makes the game, it makes the book more fun each time to pick up. Be like, what's going to happen next? For comic know? book nerds, Horror Hill is basically the most Bernie writes in its inspired world. And if you're a fan, please fucking pick this up. It's really cool. And if you're a D D player, it's Ravenloft. <laughs> so yeah, no, I love I fucking stuff. love this book so much. Yeah. Now we're going to close off Image oh in the only way we possibly could. We're going to talk about Crossover number Oh, one. my God. Written by Donnie Cates, drawn by Jeff Shaw, colored by D. Cunniff, and lettered by John J. Hill. Now, I will say this. I don't think anything is ever going to spot top the Brian Michael Bendis interview. For uh-huh. me. I think it's always going to be a peak of this, this book. I think it peaked really early for me because I uh-huh. love that stuff, stuff. But this was really Dude, good. this is okay, awesome. <laughs> So we get another creator being interrogated, and who is it but Donny Cates himself getting interrogated 
as written by Donnie Gates, <laughs> which is great. Um, and just right off the bat, the special agent you created me is that it? If I did, you wouldn't have that stupid fucking mustache. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Donnie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we get kind of more of an idea of things going on. Whereas Donnie Cates, you know, it appears he was, he, he came out of the portal, everybody witnessed it, and they think he's the key to everything, and they want him to write the ending. Which I think is really interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, and he just can't be inspired. We saw him with long hair at the end of the last issue, and he just can't be inspired on what to do, but we find out that our main characters are his ending. He's building up to it, which is really, really cool and interesting. Um, we also get a bit more about the preacher dude and the things going on behind the scenes with him. And then, I mean, we're just going to go to the end. Yep. We get another big reveal. And I guess we should have expected something like this. I know. It's because it's just like everything's been, what is it, 11 issues in. And some heavy hitters, some expected characters have just been that have just been like we've been waiting for a kind of a hit crossover a big crossover but then that's not fair because we did get madman we have had dope ass crossovers already but and, and you know donny case warned the world so we're gonna just gonna talk spoilers and powers, and powers. yeah exactly <laughs> so we're just gonna talk spoilers this shit was so fucking cool we got negan <laughs> Now, I'm not the biggest Negan fan. Yeah, like, like, I'm I'm so over Walking Dead, the comic in general as well. But Jeff's, Jeff Shaw's design of Negan is just so goddamn cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really dope. Um, And I I just think it was, it was executed really Mm -hmm. well. And it made me like I laughed out loud when I turned the page and there he was. I'm like, of course. (laughs) I was like, why the fuck not? And, yeah, that that was pretty dope. I really enjoyed that. Um, it's just really interesting mm-hmm. to me. Like, I don't know why I didn't expect a Walking Dead crossover. They've talked about Kirkman in the book. You know yeah, what I mean, I mean like, like, and we did have that splash. Like, was it in issue six? Like inside the dome. Like they were like the zom- the, the zombies were were around, and also Lucifer was a shout out from from Wicked. But that was just like the the big uh, crazy splash page. This is almost a confirmation that we'll have Negan for like a while. <laughs> yeah, and is he allied with the church? Oh, the IT. He just wants to wreak chaos, <laughs> and the priest is just like says like fuck all this. So yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously a great reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I don't think anything's ever going to touch Brian Michael Bendis and Powers for me because that was a really important. Yeah. Part. And, me and i loved it but still it was a great reveal and i was like of course (laughs) here we go i was literally like like turning the last page on an issue of crossovers usually like let's just put our seat (laughs) because who knows what's gonna happen next like that's kind of what i felt uh really really cool though and i'm curious to see what's gonna happen and how donny cates is going to play into the actual story are you worried about your powers detectives (laughs) yes 100 (laughs) percent Negan versus them, I don't like that at but, all. Hey, but Although, he did get his powers I mean, back, so it was like, hey, read more comics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that, because, yeah, he gets his powers back later on. You only he, he only doesn't have his comics near the beginning. If you don't read the books, you don't understand he has his mm-hmm. powers back. That's what I love. I was, you're like, you don't have your powers. I'm like, oh, it must be early him. And then he's like, ah. And I was like, ah, yes. Being a true nerd, please <laughs> <off."> <laughs> so, 
but really dope. Really enjoying it. So next up, we're going to talk about DC. We have a small, 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 yeah. small DC week, but some quality in here. First off, I'm going to talk about Monkey Prince number. Oh my God! One. Yes. So I got the deluxe cover. Oh, I did not see that, and that looks really cool. Yes, uh, and the creative team is going to be written by also entirely Asian. Uh, creative team even the letter dope so written by jean jean lewin yang Ooh. art by bernard chang colors by sebastian chang and lettering by janice chang um and okay so this is a new character for us mm-hmm. they were just introduced in the recent um anthology we had and uh, the festival of heroes that's what it was called and we get his origin in this and it's really great and one of the cool things is we found out pretty much right away his parents are bad guys. Oh, okay. When he's a little kid, he walks in and Batman's beating up his dad and interrogating him. Ooh. Like right off the bat. <laughs> That's the second page of the comic. And he starts having some weird panic attack and Batman's like, there's a child in your house? And he, he, he leaves and everything. And the kid kind of grows up, and he, he keeps having these weird little tags where he goes, e, e, e. Oh. And, and stuff like that. And you're trying to figure out what's going on, right? And he gets picked on at school. He gets pushed into the water in the pool. And then this this um, chubby uh, custodian dude is just like, I'm Mr. Zoo. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you. We'll be friends and stuff. So it's like, oh, this is really sad, you know? Um, and you find out that his parents now basically they moved away from Gotham for a long time and now they're back and you find that his parents are working for penguin Mm. and they're trying to open a, um, a gourd that has an ancient golden demon inside and they're able to like temporarily do it, but it goes wrong. Pretty cool design. Um, they can't quite get it right. And he's like, you know, get it right. And blah, blah, blah. Um, goes back to the kid. So we'll focus on the monkey prince mostly at this point. And basically the janitor is like, I'll help you out. He's like, you have to get to the other side of the water curtain. And Oh, and he burps in the kid's face. Right. And so he burps, he makes his little burping Mm -hmm. thing. And then you see the little clouds hanging around the kid. He's like, burp. (laughs) well, the clouds keep hanging around the kid, the rest of the scene. And you can see them throughout all, all over him. Right. Well, it's later on. He's at home and stuff, and it's still all over him. And this is this is interesting because it kind of plays back to the legend we're going to talk about. Um, his mom actually thinks he's smoking, and he's like, "No, no, no!" And she's like, "There's actually a line there which I thought was really great because it kind of reinforces how she's a bad guy." Where she says, um, "Are you smoking?" She's like, "Sweetie, it's only natural. Teenagers want to experiment. Plus, with the stress of your father and my jobs moving around, I get it. But I still want you to be safe." Tell you what, let me get you something from a trustworthy source. Yo, this mom's a plug. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so he's sitting there in school the next day. He's like, oh, at least the burp went away. And then the, this cute girl next to him is like, hey, your name's Marcus, right? He goes, yeah. She goes, and he goes, yeah, who are you? And she goes, I'm Kaya. And he goes, I know Kaya's name. I knew it on the first day here. I don't want to come off like that. <laughs> and she's like, can I ask you something? He's like, sure. And she goes, what's that? 
There's a monkey tail growing out of his butt. Oh my god. So he runs out. Uh long story short, he remembers what the uh what the um oh Kaya follows him. He remembers what the janitor told him to jump through to go through the water curtain. He jumps into the water. And then for like several pages, this goes landscape. So like see it's it's normal portrait, mm-hmm. right? But then the last panel goes landscape. Ooh, okay. And then the next several pages when he's through the water curtain are landscape. Interesting. Oh, cool. So he goes through and he runs into the the janitor and it turns out uh, it's like, "Oh, Mr. Zoo, what are you doing here?" And he's the pig from the Monkey Prince. Ah, oh, cool. So or the Monkey King, I should say. And the burp, the cloud is the cloud from the legend. Like that Goku rides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What most people know from. So he comes back out of the water and he's fully transformed into his new form. That's so cool. As the monkey prince. Then all these kids have been picking on him. He walks over there. Oh, they stole his new shoes too. He had some like Jordan ones or something like that. Okay. He finds them and starts beating the shit out of them. And then right here, this kid who looks awfully familiar. Uh huh. Talks to his watch and says, Father, can you hear me? <laughs> Met a human trouble in the locker room. I'm suiting up. And then the voice replies, not until I get there. Minimum necessary violence. <laughs> so M- Monkey Prince just wrecks these kids. It's great. It's good stuff. Uh, Batman shows up, tells him to stop, step away from the child. He um, He throws a batarang, right? And it hits him. And he makes this face. And then my friend who read this book before me said, just the last page should hook you on this book. Batman accidentally cuts the monkey prince's head off. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. And Batman's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I didn't mean to do that. I was aiming for the stick. And then his, his disembodied head's like, what's going on? <laughs> like, So I really enjoyed this. It's a great launch. It's going to be a fun young hero story and i think we need more of those in the world so very thoroughly enjoy it and uh can we see where it goes and how how much we're going to dig in dig into that uh legend you know what i mean mm-hmm. like for the for the plot points so good stuff um next up Josue, talk to me about arkham city yes oh my god I mean, the comic not the not the video right <laughs> and i'm also confused about whenever it's a comic arkham city because i don't know if it's gonna be like a like a video game tie-in or not uh, but this is not. This is a book I've been waiting to read because I've been hearing nothing but great things from it. And this book is by none other than, of course, the credits are so random, even though I already know who the first main two are. Um, Really? Is it going to be at the end? Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, Dan Waters is a writer. And Danny is illustrated, is illustrated by Danny and colored by Dave Stewart. If I can find the other, oh, there it is, cool. And lettering by, oh, I did a beauty car, nice. This is a book, oh, nice. this is a Batman book. Dude, whatever Batman book you're not feeling right now, just drop it and get this one. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's a mini. The, the fifth one came out this week. It's out of six. And it's honestly, why aren't there more bat, bat books like this? And by bat books, it's, it's, there's no Batman in this. It's just more of a Gotham book. And this book is the answer to, um, I had to do some research because it was kind of like, 
I, I really want to know what kind of Arkham City this is. And since Arkham City, the order of the world is a full title. And this is the answer to back in um, Infinite Frontier number zero. <laughs> uh, remember when Joker, like A-Day, when he uh, planted the bomb in Arkham Asylum and uh, killed a bunch of people and let a bunch of Arkhamites out? Um, right. This is the answer to that. And this is the story to that. And it's about Dr. Jocasta Joy, the only doctor that had the day off that day. Every other psych- doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist at Arkham died with a few inmates, but then uh, like a bunch of the inmates did get out. And so she, so, so she almost, she really feels, or she has a survivor's guilt and that responsibility to go gather up and uh, these, uh, the Arkhamites and bring them in in a better way than Batman ever could. It's not so much as like a fuck you to Batman. It's just like, she's just doing her job. So it is like, if it, like the way you're, the way you're liking the Harley book and like the way she's kind of like helping with the, mm-hmm. the, the clowns, this is that, but with like the coolest ensemble, like of the rogues, like you've, it opens up with a, there's a rat catcher and mad hatter, a part of it, uh double X, uh Solomon Grundy, which is already going to be a fan of. Uh, and then the, Oh God, the, craziest fucking scene with uh dr phosphorus and nocturna and then uh professor pig is going to play a part in the in the ending and all of this is revolved revolved around i think it might be a new character i've never seen him before but the ten-eyed man um which is just that it's basically eye boy but an eye on each a tip of his fingers like he's just he wears this solid looks like a gimp mask but uh just because something bad happened in his face and he can only see through his eyes but each eye does it can see through a different way uh, sometimes through time or something. He, but it's, he goes to Arkham Asylum, so he could be crazy. But the reason why it's called Arkham City is because he can see all of Gotham. Like he puts the a simple map of uh, Arkham on top of Gotham, and all this crazy shit starts happening. Where, say, like the whole Solomon Grundy thing, like the uh, issue took place where at the park, at Gotham Park, and on the, on the big map. But that, but it literally e- equals to where the cemetery would be back in Arkham Asylum, and it just plays into like all these like where these rogues would go into their hiding. It makes sense to where the Ten-Eyed Man is pointing to, and it just starts diving into this crazy world where it's like it's almost like I don't want to say what Doctor Jocasta Joy is going to be like the next Harley. It's not she's not diving into that madness, but it's more like I can actually believe this one. Like like whatever happened to Harley with like the Joker this one seems like a more believable one where it's just like, she just can't help herself. But now she's just like diving into her own madness on like, she's putting her job on the line and all her not morals, but there's that madness that she's like really biting into because she has to help her one patient. It is really good. And God damn it. Why aren't there more bat books like this? Like the only uh, Batman esque is that Azrael is like the only one kind of solving like kind of like this uh the, the crimes that are going around, but it's not a big even deal. Like he really doesn't play a big part, but it's really fucking good. Um, it's again like the same team that does a uh, coffin bound, and I just I'm so happy I actually got to finally dive deep into this one. So it's it's set in the core DC universe because it's after you know it was after Infinite Frontier yeah. and stuff. So it's not it's not an no. So it's like a good little chapter of Gotham of like, I mean, cause you've really been reading a bunch of like the Gotham stuff. This is a good little chapter. That's like kind of like been going around and I, I do recommend this one a lot. Nice. Um, is it, is it black? Lake no, it's just like a, a regular uh, DC, just regular DC oh, issues. Yeah. Hmm. 
Anytime I see like Arkham or they're trying to be like right. dark, I'm like, oh, that's gonna be. I, I thought it was some Elseworlds too or Black Label, just who just honestly by the team alone. So like, I'm glad I did my research because it was just like the answer to that little setup for them for a day. Oh, nice! That's really cool. I'll have to check that out. Um, all right, next up is Detective Comics 1051. Um. So this one is kind of following up on the big reveal that Psycho Pirate is the one behind Arkham Tower and controlling it. Um, and everything you basically find out it's confirmed in this issue that Arkham Tower is a scam. Dr. Ware that set everything up, the whole point of it is he's going to convince the mayor that, yes, I've solved all these problems. Please give me grants so I can save everybody. Right. And then once he gets the grants, he's going to disappear because it was just Psycho Pirate doing it the entire huh. time. Um, so he's literally a con man is all it is. And the problem is Psycho Pirate is basically awake 24-7 because he has to control people. So you see this scene where he's hiding underneath his desk and there's just like energy drinks all around him. He's like, uh, going crazy. Because this dude walks in and he's like, all right, the mayor's coming over. I need you to control him too and make him happy. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, so... Um, Basically, long story short, he passes out and people start waking up and like this dude stabs oh. an orderly and that's kind of where the riot starts. And um, as we know, the people that are already inside are um, like it's it's Helena. Uh, it's Dick. And I think they I think we found out that Stephanie was in at the beginning. Mm-hmm before we did a flashback, but I haven't seen Stephanie yet. Um, and then he psycho pirate uses his powers. He wakes back up, uses his powers, knocks everybody out. So that's not the actual right that's going on in the present. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there's going to be another gotcha. one. So they're going to cover this one up apparently. So, uh, so that's written by Mariko Tamaki arts by Max Rainer colors by Louis Guerrero and letter by Aaron Mayer. Now the backup story, this one's actually becoming really fascinating. It's about the little kid that watched his parents get killed by the Joker mm-hmm. and simultaneously blames the Joker and Batman. This kid has had the worst life of any child in Gotham City. It's insane. Okay. So that happens to him. He sees the Joker kill his parents. Then Batman shows up, so he's scared of the Joker. Or he's just scared of Batman, too. He gets taken in uh, as an orphan. Um his psychiatrist to make sure he's okay is Dr. Jonathan Crane who brainwashes all of his friends to attack Robin doesn't brainwash him because he finds out the kid already hates Batman and is like I like Uh you and then to cover up for the kid he gives him an insane dose of scarecrow scarecrow, uh, gas so he goes crazy for a while he finally gets cleared and he gets adopted by this sinister looking man uh huh and you find out he adopted him on behalf of the penguin. Oh. So he now works for the penguin. He takes him to the iceberg lounge and he's like, you know, basically like, here's the coat check. You'll check the coats. But he, it's actually really interesting. The penguin's just like, you know, I'm going to pay you to work here. You can, you know, you only work here during these hours. You can go do whatever you want. Basically. So he gives him a bunch of money. He's like, here's an advance on your first paycheck. Go have some fun. Basically. And you're like, Oh, you know, it sucks he's working for the ping, but at least he's, you know, out and doing his thing. Uh, he goes out. This big dude approaches him in an alley because it's Gotham and is like, I'm going to, I'm going to fuck you up, pay the toll. 
And that's when Penguin shows up. This dude, this gets grip. Penguin shows up and points the umbrella at the dude. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I didn't know he was one of yours. He goes, he is. Makes the the big dude get down on his knees. And he's just like, um, he's like, kiss the ground at his feet. And he's like kissing this dirty alley. And Penguin's talking to the boy. He's like, your choice, boy. What do you want? He's like, I don't want anything. He's like, of course you do. Everyone wants something. And the dude down there is like, can I? He goes, keep your lips on the fucking curb. And he goes, boy, he's like, I want you to let him go. Oh. And Penguin says, fair enough. Oh. And then they're walking away, and this dude's yep. clearly stomped on. Oh. He just curb stomped him to death. Fuck. Like, <laughs> it's, this kid's having a time. So, like, it's it's been really cool. Um, and it's, it's running really well alongside mm-hmm. this. And I'm curious to see where that's. Yeah, where these little stories. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, it's really interesting. So, but very, very good. Uh, next up is our final DC book, and that is Dark Knights of Steel. Oh, four. hit me. Please hit me. I love <laughs> this book so much. Okay. So, this one was different than the others. Written by Tom Taylor, art is by Bengal, uh, colors by Brief Prianto, and letter by Wes Abbott. What we find out, we found in the last issue that Alfred and Bruce found a bit of kryptonite, but it weakened Bruce. And we're like, why is he weakened by kryptonite? Well, we find out in this issue. Uh, So, basically, Bruce's family, remember they were the king and queen of the the country, and then all of a sudden the elves were the king king and queen of the country. We were wondering what's going on there, right? Um, Long story short, (laughs) basically, um, a volcano is about to explode when the elves first get there. They find a way to try to tell the king and they tell his trusted advisor, his scientific advisor, Lex Luthor. Hey, this shit's about to blow up. He doesn't tell anybody. Uh, motherfucker. He's like, he's like, I don't believe you, basically. <laughs> well, the volcano goes off. The elves show up and they're like, listen, we can help you. And, and the Waynes are like, who are you? And they're like, we're your friends. We can help. And they hand him Kal-El as a baby and said, can you just watch him for us? And then they did. They do the Kryptonian thing and basically save the day from the from the volcano. And in the end, oh, and also Lex Luthor bitchiness. Um, but the elves and the Waynes become like best friends. They're like all like one big family now. And as Alfred says, there was no malice in what they did. Jor-El may have been an alien, but he was all too human. Martha, well, Jorel was a god, and her husband gave all of himself to his kingdom. It was a single night, a single mistake, <laughs> one that hurt the people they loved so much, a hurt they might not have recovered from, but then you were born. Thomas couldn't father children. Oh. And the resentment he harbored faded as you grew. Lo- Thomas loved you as much as any father ever loved a son, and you, Bruce, you healed all wounds. So you can see them like... Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so cute, so... So Bruce isn't even Thomas's kid. It's it's a, it's Martha's. It's oh. Martha. And 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 um, oh god, Jor-El. I said Monel. Uh, yeah. I, I, like, oh, no, I mean, it's, it's not like a complete like yeah. fuck you to the whole history, but it's a very interesting take on it. Oh fuck, that's actually really cool though. Yeah, and then what happens is the family gets attacked. Uh, the the Waynes that is by. This dude. Wait, who's that supposed to be? It's the Joker. Oh, Jesus, yeah. 
But he has this ring, <laughs> which I think is made of kryptonite. Oh. And it says the Green Man. Remember when the Green Arrow assassinated Drell? Uh-huh. They said he was sent by the Green yeah. Man. Yeah. And remember there was a Green Lantern ring that made the arrow for him? Oh, shit, that's cool. Just, <laughs> the Green Man, the cruel Joker, the man once known as Luther. Oh, it totally... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so Lex and Joker are the same person in this world. Okay. So, uh, but the Waynes die, and they're like, listen, we want you to be the the rulers, you know? People will question uh, Bruce's heritage, and we don't want them to do that, but they'll never question you all, and maybe they'll grow to trust him because they trust you, you know, and all that stuff. So this was literally an entire flashback issue. Nothing else. Happened. Oh, okay. It's just Alfred and Bruce talking around a campfire telling the story. Oh, man. It was really cool, and it sets a really cool idea of, like, you know, how the L's kind of weaseled their way into a kingdom, you know what I mean? But unintentionally, maybe. I have my thoughts, but I, it's really cool, and I think this is a very important issue to fill in some blanks without a lot actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was going to be the stuff. sweetest hardcover. Oh, yeah. It's it's beautiful anyway, <laughs> so yeah. Marvel. And I it was my biggest stack of Marvel in a while. <laughs> so we're going to go through. I'm going to do as quick as I can on some of these. Um, Hosway does share some of these with me, so we'll get to those when we do. First of all, Legends of Black Panther number three. Written by Tochi Onyobuchi, uh, art by Fran Galan, colors by Ian Herring, and letter by Joe Sabino. Um, I'll be quick on this one. It's it's the retelling of T'Challa's origin, you know? And it's about T'Challa coming back to Wakanda uh, to take to save the kingdom from his, his, his uh, adopted brother, Hunter. Uh, who's like, we should be more militant. We should fight, you know, all the stuff. He's trying to take it. And we come back during the tournament, which we've all seen in the Black Panther movies, the moment where the the king has to defend his crown against any challengers. And so they're holding this tournament. And the way they're doing it here is there's a tournament between all the challengers, and whoever wins the tournament gets to challenge the king. And so there's like a fight between a couple of people, and then this dude shows up. And it's T'Challa, obviously. But he, he can't be seen in Wakanda because Hunter's trying to find him. Mm-hmm. So, like, who are you? He's like, deal with it, basically. <laughs> so, he beats the challenger really quickly. The king is just like, oh, wow. Because the king is his uncle, by the way. Because uh, his dad's already dead. He's like, a stranger enters the tournament at the last minute. Best, the greatest fighter I've seen in years. Who are you? Doesn't answer. He's like, no answer then. They get in a fight. And T'Challa takes him down. Like T'Challa beats his uncle and he wins. He's going to be the new king of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of leads it off because Hunter's still out there. Hunter was actually looking for T'Challa the entire time. Didn't know he was at the tournament. So really interesting to see what's going to happen there. Um, and uh, next up is Kazar number five. This is a final issue. Um, so, number five, Zach Thompson, writing, art by Herman Garcia and Alvaro Lopez, colors by Matthias Lopes, and letter by Joe Caramaga. Now, this one's really interesting because um, it kind of sets a new, a new standard for what, for what to expect from this character. Oh, okay. 
So we we saw an empire. We saw him die and come mm-hmm. back to life. Well, in the last issue of this, his head was literally caved in. His skull was gone, right? And you see, you see Shauna standing over his body. I mean, like literally, that's what his head looks like. It's just oh, gone. Shit. Yeah, it just popped. And she's just like praying to the Savage Land. She's like, you know, he's supposed to be your champion. You have to bring him back. You brought him back once. And he has this vision. And it's this is very Animal Man slash Swamp Thing, this issue, by the uh-huh. way. He has this vision where he's seen himself in a coffin alongside his dad and stuff. And, like, you see all this, like, rebuilding of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And... um like this scene, this shot right here specifically. Like, yeah, that's like really that fucking cool. It's like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it completely rebuilds his body, and he basically reveals that he um, he died. He as a child died a long time ago. Basically, and, and he's no uh, Kevin Plunder. That is is dead. Kazar is the one that's still here. And it's kind of like he's he's inextricably tied even more to the Savage Land than we realized. Mm-hmm. And it's basically he can never die is what they say. <gasps> and so he has to, he, it's his job to seek balance on behalf of the land. And his new powers start like unveiling themselves. So he just busts out some pterodactyl wings and stuff. Oh, dope. Like, so <laughs> it, it gets really Animal Man like that. And so the whole bad guy thing is these kind of organic, kind of technological creatures. And there's a big bad guy f- like pushing them to take over the Savage Land. Well, he actually ends up taking out the bad guy and convincing all the others, hey, you can live here. You're also part of the natural land. You know, just we don't want you to take over everything. There has to be a balance, basically. And in the end, yeah, there, there's this whole new group in... um it's the polyscions is what they're called. And, uh, they take over a part of the savage land and they live there now and they coexist. These like basically horizon zero dawn style metallic beasts coexist with the people in the savage land. This is completely changes how the savage land works. And it's really, really interesting. And he's, it's basically him trying to maintain a balance in the savage land from this point forward. And I think that's cool. Cause he's not in savage Avengers anymore. And it makes sense. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he has to stay in the Savage Land. That's just how it works, you know. So, uh, but it was really cool. It ended in a really great note, um, really great letter at the end about it, and I'm I'm excited. It was really good. I thought it was really good, and I it was a really dark and weird and violent and gory and just really cool. But the art is almost like Jana and the Impossible Monster. It's oh, like cool. It's, it's a real dichotomy. It's very strange, but I really, really it definitely hit those dark uh, DC books on like that that, pat, that that page, that whole reworking. That was cool. Oh yeah, it's crazy. So it reminded me a lot of uh, Future State Swamp Thing. Mm. Oh okay, where they're talking about like the you know the anatomy, the, the biology yeah. of a human. You know, I was like, oh, that's crazy. So next up, the Marvels number eight. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this one is written by Kurt Busiek, art by Yildare Sinar, colored by Guru Effects, and letter by Simon Bolin. And we finally get the origin for Warbird. And it's actually pretty good. I fucking loved it too. 
Yeah, I love this idea. So basically, long story short, because Warbird jumps ahead and doesn't follow the orders, everybody gets captured. And in in the end, she's like, oh, I'll tell you my story. Basically, she's the product of a um, a Wakandan tribe yes. and their interactions with a Shi'ar expedition mm-hmm. where they basically meet up. And it's, it's after the original appearance of Groot, which I thought was a great yeah. reference. Um, and basically they meet up and they start to respect each other and stuff. And the leader of the Shi'ar group is a woman. And the leader of the tribe, or one of the leaders, I presume, of the tribe is a man. And they end up falling in love and making a baby. And that's Warbird. So she's half Wakandan, half Shi'ar. So which, which is like 100% a badass. Like basically. royalty upon royalty on her. Yeah. And so she's taught to fight from like a very young age. We also find out that her father had some telepathic sensitivity that she also has. So she's got all these cool powers. Oh, I totally love her. Like this is going to be a great character in the future. Um, it is a great character now, but you know what I mean. Um, and she's basically searching for her father, and that's what took her here, and that's why she freaked out because she thinks her father's here somewhere. Um, just as we finish wrapping up her story, they get saved by Melinda May and Powder Keg of all people, and they get downstairs, or they, they run away. They find the, this big uh, vault downstairs, and of course. We find out why Black Cat's here. <laughs> because if anyone could break into that vault, it's Black Cat. And we're left on a big cliffhanger, which is really cool. So um, I, I've been digging this. I really like that we finally got this. Oh, no, me too, dude. Because, I... yeah, that's one of the things I was waiting on. Yeah, I know for sure. And I'm just like, it was such a good answer. Like, she are, like, they come and go. But then, like, half Wakandan, like, the best, of, the best of the best from Earth and half alien. Yo. OP as fuck already. Such a potential for the future of the MU. Yeah, definitely. I, I think she's really cool, and I think there's a lot of Shi'ar characters floating out there now that mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh. Like, because there's... I mean, I've all, I've always waved the flag for Lifeguard and Slipstream, oh. like two of my favorite X-Men that no one knows. <laughs> um, and at least Lifeguard is half Shi'ar because she has a tr- Shi'ar transformation, so maybe we can do something similar. That'd be really cool, so... <clears throat> But that takes us to one of our favorite characters in one of our favorite books. Daredevil, Woman Without Fear. Number two. Uh, Indirectly tying into Devil's Reign. Uh, Written by Chip Zdarsky. Art by Rafael de la Torre. Color by Federico Blee and letter by Clayton Cowles. As we saw in the last issue, Electra is doing her thing. uh, Trying to find, was it Akka? Akka, I think so. Yeah. One of the people who trained her, the person who trained her basically for the hand and just trying to basically prevent all this. And I love the reveal that they're like, we're going to tell Daredevil everything. And she reveals, I've already told him everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was dope. Like, cause she's like, you think I wasn't going to tell him? Like, <laughs> so basically it, it, it then of course becomes a fight between her and Craven. And it was really cool. I really enjoyed the fight because it's, it's what a fight between the two of them should look like. Yeah. She's hiding, he's hunting, you know, and it's like, can she surprise him before he notices? Like, that's the whole key. Uh, how much did you love this shot, by the way? Dude, uh, yeah, no, that, that shot's really good. Uh, every co- uh, shot of Electra was really cool. De La Torre did an amazing job just, like, like in no panel did she just, like, not look cool as fuck. Like, the, the, co- the confrontation yeah. one, the, God, it was one of my favorite ones, where she's just, like, this one is just, like, 
every shot of her is just so freaking cool. And just the high ponytail with the mm-hmm. mask is such a striking, awesome look. I love it. So, but she gets Craven catches up with her again. He's like, "I'm gonna mess you up." And then that's when we get the reveal at the end that he is actually a member of the Thunderbolts now. So he's the law. So I think this is only a three issue mini. If I'm, I think it was three. Yeah. So we'll we'll get the conclusion next time. But it's been really good. It's really great bridging. I'm really curious how much she's going to be in the new Daredevil series if she's also going to be in Savage Avengers. Right. So, but I mean, Wolverine's at every place. True. (laughs) You know, so, yeah. Next up, Shang-Chi number eight. Oh, man. For the final time, written by Jean Luen Yang, art by Dyke Uh. Ruan, color by Trina Farrell, and letter by Travis Lanham. Uh, So for those who don't know, um, the creative team is shifting up a bit. Uh, I believe Gene's going to stick around, but Dakaruan and Triona are both moving right. on. Um, so, but th- don't worry, it's going to be oh, great. Oh, yeah. Um, because Marcus Toe is Oh, my God. <laughs> and Marcus Toe's been doing Excalibur so well, it's going to be amazing. So, uh, but let's wrap up this one first. This has all led to this. <laughs> and so, Shang-Chi is taking over the Immortal Weapons Society. We've seen everything that happens. Brother Saber Takeshi is a traitor and he allowed him to get arrested. Um, sister Staff has defected to the bad guy's side, this this group of bad guys that are gathering, and they're there to attack him. And then as they're attacking, um, his only allies really are Master Ling and Sister Dagger. We love Sister yes. Dagger. And it teases this awesome fight between Sister Dagger and Sister Staff that I was like, oh, this is going to be dope. <laughs> it is. And there's actually a moment where she actually breaks the, the staff <laughs> of Sister Staff with the da- dagger. And I like that. Ha, I didn't even mean to do that. It's <laughs> so my favorite part. Um, and she's like, after her, to all the to all the bad guys, and they're like, we're supposed to go Shang-Chi. She's like, I don't care. Go after her. They chase her into a room. It's dark. Sister Staff steps through the door, closes it. Fist bumps to yes! dagger, and all these fucking, all these fucking deadly, uh, deadly hand ninjas are like, "All right, let's fuck them up." <laughs> so, it was, she was a fake betrayal all along, and thank God because I, I love her so much, and I was, I was kind of buying it. Thank God I was duped. Yeah, I was like, well, if she is brand new, mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't be too hard to make her betray them, but yeah. Um, and they're still not super happy with the way Takeshi went down, yeah. but they're still like, you're still a brother, you know? And everything comes down to, of course, Shang-Chi's grandfather. And how it's kind of mirroring the movie story, where it's about his daughter, except in this case, his daughter is actually alive, and getting to their, their village so he can take the powers, you know, that they have. Um, in this case, the mother ends up accidentally getting pushed back through the portal. And, uh, basically they have to resolve that and they're going to have to basically go back to the island, go through the portal themselves. And basically it's a new arc. We're going to, it's going to be going to to, back to Quillan Island and that's going to be the new adventure. It's not going to be the building up of this force that was against Mm -hmm. them. Um, we know now that sister staff is on his side. I would love to see Brother Saber come back if they could find oh, a way yeah. to make it like in a good way, you know, like maybe they don't trust each other, but they're going to work <laughs> together. But yeah, really dope. I really enjoyed it. Um, Dean Luen Yang and Dai Kruan are just so good together. And, but I'm very excited for Marcus Toe too. So uh, what'd you think? Um, 
this fucking shot, this Vegeta punch, where Vegeta just punches and there's a yes. blast on the other end. Bro, what a cool shot. I love this book so much. And honestly, like if this could be like Marvel's comic book manga, like, bro, if we can just <laughs> have this team, this whole, like the whole ensemble's together right now and, and then work away with the, the Takeshi, if we can just stay, have this adventure in Talo, we're in one third issue, 134. If we can just stay there for like a, a big climactic 150, I would love that so much. Um, and uh, yeah, honestly, I was really bummed out that Daikuron is leaving because what we became instant fans since uh, Bleed Them Dry. Bleed them dry. And then knowing yeah. that he got a job at Marvel and it was going to be doing Shang-Chi when he was just owning it. I was honestly, I was really kind of bummed out, but then yeah, that Marcus Toe, honestly, is I was like, it's a great fit, it's a good fit, it's a hell of a replacement, you know. Like, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. Um, he's actually moving on to do something. Oh, please, yes. And I was trying to remember what it was. Um, they made a big announcement. And if I if I figure out what it was, I'll I'll, I'll check mm-hmm. with you. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I've loved his work and everything. I think he's great, and I can't wait to see what like where we're gonna go from here. Because Shang Chi's been a solid, book, absolutely. You know? And I do love. I mean, I love the movie, and I love how like they they did rework the original story. Uh, but this one kind of setting like the, the this comic book one is like the similar, but then obviously it has the it can be a little bit uh a little bit bigger in the comic book world. I really like this one, the accidental push. I was like, oh, fuck, what a great way to just, like, that's what fucked up, that's what fucked up everything, and now we have both opposition, like, the dad's an asshole, and the grandpa, like, just hates me for his own reasons, and almost kind of, not really rightfully so, in his own way, but the whole accidental with the mom thing is just like, oh, no, I I, I just really like this, the story. Yeah, it's really great. It's, um, I mean, the movie, it, it's been a really great time to be a Shang-Chi fan because we got a great movie and a great comic book series at the same time. And that doesn't happen very often, Mm -hmm. you know? So nice. All right. Well, we are actually going to go ahead and start talking about, pull it up here. Star Wars. Uh, So I actually have several Star Wars books to talk about this week. First of all, Star Wars, Galactic Star Cruiser, Halcyon Legacy. Ooh. This one is, it's very interesting. It's written by Ethan Sachs, art by Will Sliney, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter by Joe Sabino. This is a cool story, and it actually takes place across several different um, time frames. So you can see, like, he looks awfully familiar. <laughs> like, so, but the main part of the story actually takes place in the High Republic, and we get Buryaga. The the Wookiee uh, nice. Jedi and Burry's great. So Burry actually has a very strong empathy. He can actually feel the feelings of people from forever away. Oh, basically, wow. that's one of his mm-hmm. powers. They're on this ship, and it's it's this like I should have recognized because a galactic star uh, galactic star cruiser sounded familiar. It's this ship right here. It's basically a cruise ship, right? And they're on this cruise ship as a vacation, and. They're like telling the history of the, the ship. This is the new attraction at Disney World is the Galactic Star Cruiser. So like the whole Star the whole two day Star Wars experience you can go to at Disney right. now. This comic book is the lore behind it. That's what Get it the is. fuck out. Okay, that's cool. 
Yeah, so I'm like, okay, cool. I was kind of like, oh, marketing. Honestly, there should be a compliment. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? I don't care. It's cool. There should be a complimentary <laughs> issue where if you ever visit that thing. Right, yeah. But it, basically, the big culmination moment is communications are down. They're trying to call back up from the Starlight Beacon. And Buryag is able to use his empathy ability to actually call for help across galaxies, basically, to get back up. So it was pretty cool. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's fun. And it does tie into the High Republic, which I always like. <laughs> Which brings me to Star Wars The High Republic number 14. Um, this one's written by Kevin Scott, drawn by Ario Anandito, inked by Mark Morales, colored by Carlos Lopez, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. I'm very happy with how quickly this one came because the last one ended on a cliffhanger. Um, we got to see um, uh, uh, Chris, uh, the, uh, Avar Chris, the chick in charge of the, the, the space station, the Jedi. And the last issue, she's just kind of struggling with, like, rage, with, like, revenge. She's kind of letting her emotions get away with her. And she raises her lightsaber to finish off Lorna D, the bad guy. Well, uh, in the end, luckily, Keeve Trinis is there to stop her. So she's, she's literally bringing her saber down. And then Keeve just dives in front. And is just like, no, you can't do this. Ooh, okay. and, and talks her down, which is really cool. And as she talks her down... Lorna D pulls out a lightsaber dagger and holds it up against Keeve's neck. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, and she's like, basically, she's like, oh, you bitch. <laughs> and she force throws her, but doesn't kill her. She's like, just knocks her out. She's like, I know, I, I made a mistake and everything. And they're trying to go back to the Starlight Beacon with their with their prisoners, and the Starlight Beacon's attacked. Shit. Explodes, or something happens. It looks like a, like a problem, or like a an accident, but I think someone attacked. And basically, they're just trying to evacuate the beacon, make sure everybody stays alive and everything like that. But something happens to them, to Keeve, where she starts foaming at the mouth, and this is the exact thing that happened to Tarek and Serret uh, before they returned to stone. So this is like the big thing that the, um, the Nihil are using as a weapon. So she starts seeing them as enemies, so she's going to attack them next. That's kind of where we're left off. Really cool, though, unless you can master her, like, force powers and just push it out, which would be cool, so. And then, finally, the last Star Wars book is the Star Wars Heavy Week, Star Wars Crimson Rain, number two. <laughs> this is the one about the Crimson Dawn. Uh, written by Charles Soule, art by Steve Cummings, inked by Victor Olazaba, colored by Guru Effects, and lettered by Travis Lanham. I love this one because it's basically a crime novel. It's about a crime family who's manipulating all the other crime families to make themselves the most powerful crime family, basically. And uh, basically, Kira has made the Crimson Dawn invaluable to all the other crime families by t targeting them against each other, and then she's offering to fight for them, you know, at times and stuff. So she sends two people on a mission. She sends Ochi and Deathstick on missions. And um, Ochi is uh, supposed to kill all the members of this organization, all of them at once. And they have to kind of be wiped out at the same time. So he gets these like timed poisons. He buys like, all these timed poisons to try to poison them all at once. Right. Meanwhile, death stick has to go after this little girl who is a, uh, the heir of two different crime families. So basically, um, Ochi is able to poison everybody and they're sitting there eating and he's watching and he's like, wait, there's supposed to be 10 of them. 
And they're like, oh, one on one to go to work early. He's like, shit. So he has to chase the dude down, does this awesome shot with the poison dart, catches him in the neck just barely, and poisons him. And he's like, ah, I had it all along, basically. <laughs> and then it's great because it's like you find out who they are. The emperor is just walking in, and all of his guards just drop dead. Yeah. Like, it's really interesting. So, um, and then, uh, Death Stick, um, Death Stick captures the girl, brings her back to Kira, and Kira is basically like, hey, we're going to be friends. So she's trying to ally with some of them and stuff. So, it's again, it's kind of like the consolidation of the Crimson Dawn's power, but we all know they said at the beginning of this, this series, this is the story of the end of the Crimson Dawn. So, it's all looming over that, which is really interesting. So, really good stuff, though. I'm enjoying it. Uh, probably the Crimson Dawn stuff is might be my favorite Star Wars stuff right now. That's cool. Because I really like Kira, and I like I like the crime family yeah. at all, you know? All right. Now times are, it's time to get a little bit fantastic, as we actually have a section for the Fantastic yes. Four. Yes, we have that many books. I got the thing number four. Nice. I have to show you this cover, because I love it. Oh, it's Alicia <gasps> working on a giant thing. Statue. Oh, that's a good cover. It's a great idea, isn't it? Like, I love it. It's so good. So, and that's by Joshua Casara, by the way. Written by Walter Mosley, art by Tom Riley, colors by Jordi Belair, and letter by Joe Sabino. So, we're kind of like following up on what's going on in the thing. Um, you got the creepy little kid. You got his new girlfriend, and he's having a nightmare about Alicia. And um, long story short, the bad guy they beat had a belt that can transmute matter. The kid grabbed the belt, made a wish, and they get teleported to the moon. Uh, So they're on the moon, and they're in the Watcher's vacation home, is what they call it. And they get attacked by a bunch of robots, which is a great excuse for the thing to punch everything in sight. Which every issue of this series so far has had a moment where he just needs to punch everybody. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's great. Um, there's also a tease where they, where the silver surfer tells the little boy, someone with your lineage and things like, wait, what lineage? And, but it never comes back up. It's like interesting. And then we see thing fight the faceless one, Terax and Berserker all at once. That's how it kind of ends. And then the nightmare he's been having about Alicia is actually happening. She's getting attacked. And it's great because someone's like, attacking her and it's her it's her new boyfriend the one she left the thing for and he's like possessed or something and he's talking to her while he's attacking her so she bites him she's he goes how do you do that she's like just keep on talking which i thought was great like and then there's a bright light and she's like that light i can i can see it and that's where it fades to black so really cool i mean i I love it it's been it's a big fun dumb adventure that's that's enough sometimes you know so and Josue, talk to me about Final, uh, Final Fantasy, <laughs> Fantastic Four Life Story. I get it, the FF. Um, this one, uh, Fantastic Four Life Story, the finale, 2010s, written by Mark Russell. Artist is uh, ooh, uh, Shana Zaksky with uh, Zay Carlos and Angel uh, Inzueta. Colored by Nolan Woodard and lettered by Joe Caramanga. So, taking place in the 2010s, we kick it off in 2014. And yeah, we finally dealt with Galactus. That was kind of the whole run. The finale, we finally deal with Laveria. And Doctor Doom is up to his fascist bullshit. And in that very uh, Adolf Hitlery extension way, 
So he's going after neighboring countries. Um, everybody's kind of, kind of like, we should be all up in arms about it. Uh, this whole time, like after like all these years, um, Reed has still stayed in the uh, vegetative state. Uh, his, the, the kind of the whole book is kind of him monologuing like in his head. Um, but the whole time Franklin has this, uh, Franklin also has this, uh, device that he can just like wear around his head and he's been trying to tap into, um, Reed's head to see if he can get some sort of feedback back, uh, to see if he can actually communicate uh, to some degree. But no dice. That's a really touching moment with uh, between the thing and Reed, and because in, in this case, like, like the bullshit stuck, like, like throughout the times. So the thing uh, admits that it's like, yo, like in this case, like we weren't really close. Like, like when like the band split, again, Reed's bullshit. Uh, he admits like, yo, I resented you for like a long fucking time, but I knew in the end, like you always had, you were the only one to really like have my back, and it's still becomes like a little bro moment. It's like they're still like best friends. Um, and it's really touching because, like, I wish I was like, I wish it was like the old days when I could just tell you, um, when I could just yell at you, uh, call you a pork chop or something. And that's when you had like the whole like con- uh, confession. And like, guess what I'm saying is, I miss your pork chop. And it's like, as he like leans over, and it's like, ah, it's, it's so, it's so good. Uh, but basically, yeah, uh, Doom is like going out of control. He has sent out all these Doom bots. And, um, in these 2010s, you do get a feel on like who the heroes are. At least in this time, you have a, Iron Ironheart, Miles Morales, Spider Man, and uh, Carol Danvers as a as a team, and only like Spider Man, like Miles Morales, looks like very Peter Parker age. Like he look he looks a little older, like then it's like kind of like his like little self. Um, so they're having a hard time punching these these people down when it's like these are kind of kind of heavy hitters. Uh, we find out that Doom has had like at least less thirty years, possibly the whole book itself on the six decades i was like three decades like now maybe six uh, three to six decades of building up his doom bots made out of vibranium because because claws around too um and he's just make, been making like the the thinker just like building like this whole armada uh sue visits old ass of uh, uh rogers steve rogers and he's like yo maybe pick up the shield one more time but they're so freaking old here and reed is uh, steve is just like ah Maybe not. Like it's like I don't think I will. <laughs> you know, like like the fucking movie. <laughs> no, I don't think I will. <laughs> um. So yeah, but, uh, they, they they were kind of powerhouse uh, most of the robots. They figure out it's like oh, it's all vibranium. They take the fight to to uh to doom. And yeah, basically in the end, the way like in the end, uh, Steve does show up like in in the suit. There's a good uh, a very um, cool a very um cat punching Hitler moment. <laughs> When he finally show, shows back up, as even a line, um, so as long as you fascists insist on coming back, I suppose I will too, because that's a very uh, cap line. That's super <laughs> cap, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the end, basically, the thinker turns on um, uh, Doom because he was basically he realized he was just like slaving away for him, and he makes this side robot to make it to Franklin, and they both they both able to tap they're both able to tap into Reed because he's really um, obviously the only one who could. Um, deal with all this and he has his like spurt like little like power spasm where his arm goes over and he and he picks up this this old like, you know the thinker can like would it's kind of like a head would make android heads well i guess re- mm-hmm. when they got that old head reed made his own reed copy and like this this the, and there's this whole like like it had the answer this whole time there's a xbox kind of thing so they solve it and in the end and yeah basically in the end like they just have they all have like their their good endings and like 
like no other member kept uh, died in this one so that was good um i really like these life stories i i like having these like time sticks and they have to figure out how these big arcs can actually play a part in these times um there's been no announcement for another one but i would freaking love like honestly a- any other story like i was thinking about it like shit's very like daredevil heavy right now but i would really like to see him going through the times but i wonder how much they can actually span in like six issues like for like a daredevil run um the x x-men would be a great fucking life story yeah i was gonna say did they tease another one no it, it, it like was that? like a la- last page into the ad and there was like, literally like the the they, they used up every page like there was no I, I was waiting for it too to see like what could we get and I would like to see a Doctor Strange life. That would be sick. Like his power is just gen- just getting stronger and stronger as the Source of Supreme. Or maybe he loses it somewhere in the middle and the- when he gets it back up. And like you said, in this one, you kind of see the new heroes, which are like Ironheart and mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe by the end of his, it's like Strange Academy. Oh, that'd be a perfect way to introduce. Like it's like it's it's canon now, heavy canon. So it's like I would love it for it. Yeah, I was thinking like Doctor. I was thinking Doctor Strange as well. X Men because you can just really tell those times, and it's like. The, the original five by the end of the book you can just have like the one that's just like that survived over like times or battles that we've lost and you can just there's his x-men history and you can oh I, I, that would be like my, probably my dream probably a good 12 issue life story of x-men would probably be enough yeah definitely nice and our final fantastic four book is fantastic four reckoning war number one the alpha as it says on the cover <laughs> Um, so, written by Dan Slott, drawn by Carlos Pacheco, Rafael Fontariz, and Carlos Magno. Colored by Guru EFX and lettered by Joe Magna. As Josue kind of hinted at, I think, in a previous episode, this is the culmination of a story that's been waiting to be told for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And we finally got to it. Um, and it's kind of like the biggest stakes possible. <laughs> like, basically, existence is about to be wiped out. Um, eternity is dying, which is always bad. <laughs> um, so it's just really cool. Um, the watchers come into play and this is like teased as the one time the watchers can actually interfere because it's literally the end of everything. Yeah. Um, we see the return of Uatu as well as the return of the original Nick Fury, yeah. which was really cool. Um, it's called fantastic for reckoning war, but honestly, it's more of a crossover of the whole universe. I just think it's only going to cross over with the actual Fantastic Four. Right, so just probably not make it too tie-in um, heavy. Exactly, yeah. So, But it, it's pretty cool. There's like this big attack going on. Um, I love that we get to see Jack of Hearts, which is, we, we mm-hmm. talked about, we both like Jack of Hearts quite a bit. That's fun. Um, it's going to be She-Hulk heavy because she's also Fantastic Four adjacent. I prophesized um, kind of about all this. Yeah, well, and I like that because they deal with the TVA in mm-hmm. this book, which I love from Loki. You know, well, that's what most people know it from. And basically, she can see members of the TVA because she's also time displaced. So that was a fun little nod. Um, and yeah, it was just really cool. Um, it's a it's a Fantastic Four story, but with really high stakes is basically what I'd say. And I've enjoyed it so far. The Fury stuff is really interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see where that's going to go because. Um, I was always wondering how much they want to use the original Fury now that we have the new Nick Fury, Nick Fury yeah. Jr., you know? And so that that's kind of cool. Also, I mean, 
I talk about the big stakes, but let's just talk about it. They blew up the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the moon is I gone. I and... love when that happens. I mean, I'm not a science major or anything, but that's bad. That's important. <laughs> that's why we have tides, right? <laughs> they really <laughs> like... brush it under the rug because like, they kind of bring it up. It's like, isn't that important? It's like, oh, there's planets who don't even have moods. Like, uh, but this one's been surviving with it, so it's... But it was Reed that said that, so that's funny because Reed could be like, uh, we'll fine, whatever." <laughs> so, it's, um, but it's cool. It's it's a good start. Um, the highlight to me and Minho, so we talked about it a bit before we started recording, is we really liked Empire, and I completely forgot about Thing and Alicia Masters adopting the two yeah. kids. And that was such a compelling story that I feel really bad I haven't been reading Fantastic Four. To where Joe now feels inclined to jump in and save Dad. And it's like, that alone, that was like, that's a huge jump. Because they were these little ass, like, attitude little shits. And now that there's this bond, I'm kind of really curious on it, too. Yeah, so, luckily we have Marvel Unlimited. Oh, yeah. If we want to, we can really just go back and read it, so... (laughs) But it's it's cool. It's a good start. I'm enjoying it so far, and can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, I honestly, I uh, I kind of under, underestimated this uh, this book because I mean, you don't all, you, you just don't always blow up the moon, <laughs> and it, it just it kind of made me laugh because like yeah, like this this whole story was kind of teased back in the early 2000s again when Dan Slott was like, I want to do this, and I'm pretty sure Marvel is like, all right, so what's the pitch? Well, I want to blow up the moon. Well, Bendis has this, this decade dibs right now, and that doesn't correlate with anything that's going that's going to happen. So you just have to wait over ten years to be able to tell the story. Are you good? <laughs> yeah, that's great. All right, well, let's move on. We're going to switch away from the Fantastic Four, and now we're going to start talking about the Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, so dip it into the Spider Verse. So Sway, let's start off with you telling me. About Savage Spider-Man number one. Savage Spider-Man number one. And and, and I like it because I didn't notice until I had it in my hands. The Savage is over the nonstop. I hadn't caught that before. Oh, that's great. So it's kind of like what's supposed to be like the sequel to nonstop. And this would be pretty cool if it's like a trilogy and every title is like a little goes a little more berserk. Um, And then over on top of each other. And so, yes, a sequel to nonstop. So written written by Joe Kelly. This one drawn by Gerardo Sandoval. And oh wait, oh and Gerardo Sandoval and Victor Nava on the inks, Chris uh, Sotomayor on the colors, and Travis Lanham on the letters. So at the end of the last book, uh, Sp- uh, Peter got popped with that crazy serum, and he became Monster Spider Man, Monster Spider, very little man. <laughs> it's just this giant arachnid <laughs> spider that's dressed like Spider Man, but and there's maybe a Peter Parker in there somewhere, maybe. And they're stuck on this Island. They got, they got him and Zemo got dropped on this Island. And it's just like uh bullet, just savage people, almost zombie like. And it's really not a Peter Parker. That's like playing a hero. He's, it's really a savage fucking Spider-Man. That's kind of running more on spider instincts. Um, there's like a Zemo thinks he can almost like buddy up, like have a, a team up Spider-Man team up with Baron Zemo. But I, this Peter is just like punching everything and everyone. Where Zemo's like, okay, well, the fuck you too then. I guess I'll pu- I'll we'll punch around each. I'll try to punch around you <laughs> um, as we still try to survive. Um, and then we you just get hit with the with the big organization again. Very much like nonstop. This is just a very quick like like shit is just not stopping. To uh, okay okay, I totally forgot about this last part. So the in the end, uh, Peter or nope. 
Savage the Spider, dot 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 man, shoots up a red loogie and now uh. and now starts possessing everybody and he starts to become alpha. So gross. Yeah, very gross, very interesting. I, I I'm I'm gonna stick to it. <laughs> And also, so um, I know uh, Gerardo Sandoval because he actually worked on Venom right before uh, Johnny Cage took over. So, and that was very, very appropriate. I loved his his uh, Venom issues. So, this being like the the monster Spider Man is just very appropriate for Sandoval to take over. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, next we're going to talk about Spider Woman number nineteen. Oh, yes. uh, so, written by Carlo Pacheco, drawn by Perry Perez. Color by Frank Darmada and letter by Travis Lanham. This follows up on the big reveal from last week, which is that the Queen of the Scrolls, Varanke, is still around. And she is intent on basically ruining Jessica Drew's life. <laughs> so um, she goes and kidnaps uh, Jessica's kid from the Night Nurse. I love that Jessica does show up. Mm-hmm. Um I love how like brawly Jessica Drew is in this yeah. series. Like she has no idea, she has no problem just fucking throwing down, and I absolutely love that about her. Um, but yeah, they have a big fight. Uh, Veronica is able to get away, uh, or no, Jessica gets away with the with the uh, the baby. No, 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 sorry. Yeah, Veronica's goons get away with mm-hmm. the baby. Jessica chases the truck. Veronica chases Jessica. So, yeah. Um, and then I love how she opens the back of the truck and the baby's not there. And then Iron Man shows up like, oh, Linda called me. Where's Gary? And he's like, oh, good man. Good question, uh, Iron Man. And he just beats the... Sh- he's like, Tony would have insulted me. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's actually really great. Actually, I'm not thinking because it's also... It looks such like an outdated suit. Oh yeah, this, I think this is the last suit that she saw him in. Because remember, they hit him with the virus, and he had to like be- use his old uh, archaic suit. Yep. I wonder if there's like almost like a reminiscing of like the last suit she saw Iron Man wear, and that's why she was like, "Dude, this is such a bad tell." <laughs> yeah, and I love that. I just love the idea that this is her rival. Like, I love this being her yeah. main villain. It's just a great idea. And then you find out what happened to Gary is that because he has her powers, he's up in the cabin of the truck, <laughs> climbing on the roof, just or climbing on the ceiling, just like. Eh. Knocks the guy out and he starts steering the, <laughs> the van and steers it off the, the bridge. And then Spider Man shows up. He's like, Hey, are you okay? It's like, and she's like, Ah, oh, nice try, Veronica, and blasts her. And he's like, Hey, what the hell? She's like, Oh, you're not a scroll? Not everyone's a scroll all the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Such a great line. Um, and then Carol shows up and she's like, I'll help. And then Carol shows up again. Which one's Veronica? How will we tell? Because Gary, zap, zap, bad anti-Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Blast Veronica. Carol's able to save the baby. She's like, you want to, you too? She's like, no, I got this. And they just have this brutal fucking fist fight, which is fantastic. Um, and I love, I love, 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 love this. Veronica tries to do the, I'm going to turn into people that you won't hit. It's so dumb. (laughs) And Jessica doesn't even hesitate. She's like, oh, you're going to turn into my child? Smack. I feel like that's (laughs) just just adding more fuel for me to punch you in the face for doing it. Not so much that it's like, I don't want to hit him. Or it's like a fantasy. It's like, oh, at least I get to do this. No, you're you're just doing the worst possible take here. And now you're just, yeah, you're done, (laughs) Veronica. Yeah, I love it because so many heroes in the the past have done Mm -hmm. that. 
and hesitate so and cost themselves a victory. And it's so cliche and it's really unrealistic and stupid. <laughs> and I love that Jessica does not give nope. a shit. She's like, oh, no, I'm going to feel bad about punching my kid. Why not? It's not my kid. Punch, punch. If punch, anything, punch. I would want to punch it faster because it's a baby face, probably baby size head in a adult body alien. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. um, but really cool. I really enjoy it. I love this book. It's so it's such an underrated Marvel book. I definitely had fun reading these two um, issues. Yeah. So it looks like Veronica is probably taken out of the commission for now. Mm-hmm. We might have received some news teasing about that that I haven't been able to confirm okay. yet. Um, we'll talk about it afterwards, but um, yeah, a lot of fun. We'll see where it goes from there. So, which brings us to our final Spider-Man book. Yes, Keith picked up Amazing Yay. Spider-Man this week. Do you know what? You want to know why? Because there's a Gwen cover. Oh, of course, yeah. It <laughs> Didn't even see it. It's the Gwen. It's the Gwen Gambit cover or Gambit? No, Jean. Jean. I saw the head. The headwear. I want to say Gene. Yeah, definitely Gene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the red is the 90 suit. I associate red with the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but if they feminize gambits, I don't know what it looks <laughs> like. So, yeah. A trash um, coat. True. Uh, so, yeah, this is ASM written by Zeb Wells. I'm not used to doing this. <laughs> Drawn by Michael Dowling, colored by Brian Valenza, and lettered by Joe Carmagna. And this is kind of coming up on the back end of what's of the beyond storyline and we basically find out yeah beyond is corrupt and we all kind of knew that you know (laughs) like so um what they're doing now is they are going to um basically in order to control the narrative that because um uh ben's girlfriend right his girlfriend right uh Oh, not wife, but yeah. It's someone special to him. I don't say like, wife. Yeah. I don't want to get it wrong, but definitely for sure a uh, partner, uh, girlfriend. So she has info on them on a flash drive and is trying to get away. So they send the new Queen Goblin without revealing who she is. Yeah. They give us hints, but it's not enough yet, I think. And they basically reveal, yes, they have all these heroes, but they also have the potential for villains mm-hmm. to, you know, to basically control everything. So... Uh, I love the Queen Goblin design. I'll just get that out of the way. Right the glider's really cool. Like, clicking, like, in and out to have, like, two other things flying around. Oh, God. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the drive does get destroyed. And then we get this really interesting moment where Ben saves his girl and just leaves Mary Jane behind to deal with the Goblin not Queen. Not my problem. Or Queen Goblin. Not my chair. Not my problem. So, I thought that was pretty cool. Um a lot of fun, and uh, it's a good introduction for her. I wonder what's going to happen with MJ. Is Peter awake? <laughs> like, <so, laughs> He's still training. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know, but really cool. There are just it. way too many uh, redheads around the Peter Parker slash Ben, ben Riley life. Because I, I, I had confused Jenny for the sister on the last cliffhanger. Um, so, and yeah, now we have no idea what the fuck uh, the Red Queen could be. Also, that first shot of the Red Queen was such a cool panel. I love that reveal. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and Maxine is just such a shit. Like that, the, no, that's a plan. That, that was their plan, right? Like to actually be this company for like what, a black market. It's like, yo, I need this to, for, for real villains. Like, yo, I need this like corporate uh, building or something knocked over or just gone from the face of the earth. They'll stage a superhero fight. That, that's what they need, they need. The villains It's like, God, like Maxine, you're just like, you're that, that's like psychotic villainy shit. I, I have hated <laughs> her from the start. 
Definitely. All right, and finally, we're going to end up on Krakoa yes. to end our journey for the week. We have a stack of X books to talk about. The first one I'm going to talk about is The Excellent Number One, uh, written by Peter Milligan, drawn by Michael Allred, colored by Laura Allred, and lettered by Nate Picos of Blambot. Now, I'm not going to talk specifics because Josue <laughs> needs to read Ecstatic. It's literally my next uh, TBR that I'm reading right now. Literally right there. And then, and then we'll talk about this because literally the f- the first panel of this book spoils ecstatic. <laughs> like so. I expect to, um, I do want to like since like my next one I've been taking my reads very seriously. I do expect to yeah. finish this uh, omnibus by the end of the month for the next issue. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I was I was a pretty good fan of ecstatics mm-hmm. at first. Um, I I'm not the biggest fan of hyperviolence, and there is a lot of hyperviolence uh, in it. Um, but it was fun. I liked how it ran alongside a lot of the Marvel or mutant stuff. <laughs> um, Wolverine makes appearances, which is always mm-hmm. funny. Him and Dupe are apparently old buddies. Is the joke. <laughs> okay. Like, like it's literally, it's great. The, the key to this story is if you don't know anything about ecstatics or anything like that, basically don't get attached. <laughs> That's basically what I can tell you. Um, if you have a problem with Suicide Squad, where you're like, oh man, it sucks that the cast keeps getting <laughs> reduced, don't read Ecstatics. Because okay. it's literally a reality show. And they uh, they go around fighting bad guys, and when one of them dies, they just replace them with somebody. Jeez, okay. And let's just... I, I, told, I teased this to Josue before. The very first issue of, of this uh-huh. story is the one that caused Marvel to leave the comics code authority. <laughs> Cause it was that offensive. Oh my God. The, and it's like the ecstatics number one. No, it's the, the issue of oh, the X-Force. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. So, uh, but I really enjoy it. If you are a fan of the original, I would definitely pick it up. If you haven't read the original, give it a shot. It's probably on, on Marvel mm-hmm. unlimited. Uh, you can read it and see if that's kind of your style. Uh, Michael Allred has a, a wonderful art style that I absolutely love, but I can understand it might not be for everybody. So check it out if you know that's kind of your thing. Um, if you like a story that's kind of about how everything's getting corporatized and really cynical advertising and stuff like that, it's the story. It's just such a weird little window in like me in history that I've just been so curious. Yeah, I will tell you this one has nothing to do with Krakoa. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, cool. I thought they would open it up into and Krakoa. like see where they're placed at. Oh, okay, but it, it's not. They're still doing the same thing that huh. we're doing. Like is the idea, but now they have a rival team, which is the excellent. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, but really good stuff. Next up, X Men Legends number eleven. Hey, <laughs> or as or as I said, it should have been New Mutants Legends. <laughs> nice. Um, Written written by Louise Simonson, drawn by Walter Simonson. Love you too. <laughs> Please adopt me. Colored by Edgar Delgado and lettered by John Workman. This is one that takes place post Mutant Massacre, and um, it is that era where the Simonsons were doing X Factor, New Mutants, Power Pack, and I think they were even doing Thor at wow. the time. Between My God. Yeah, it was it was the best time to be a comic book fan. I've never enjoyed comics awesome. more. Um, and 
if you notice, there's a couple people in the New Mutants here, namely Richter, Skids, Rusty, and Boom yeah. Boom, who weren't actually New Mutants. They were the students of X-Factor. When the X-Factor was the original X-Men, they had their own version of the New Mutants. Okay. And so that's the ones they were training. That's the four of them and WizKid. That's how WizKid started. Mm-hmm. And uh, Artie and Leech. So they were all members of that group. So, um, But they kind of like interact a bit. They're kind of friends and stuff. And then this also deals pretty heavily with the, Morlo- yeah, the Morlocks and also with Apocalypse and his horsemen. Um, of course, he's down two horsemen because Archangel left. Oh, okay, yeah. And, uh, and Pestilence is no longer there. So Caliban, is being a mutant hunter, is like determined to help him find it. Because Caliban believes Apocalypse needs this to, to save humanity, basically. So, um, And yeah, it's basically they decide... To, uh, Caliban takes some of the Warlock Tunnels and tries to find a new uh, horseman for or new horseman for apocalypse with war and famine. I love this. This is one of my favorite things. In- oh yeah, is war's boom. The way that they've always animated that—that's the exact same way they've done it since he was. Oh, that's cool. The way even in even in Age of Apocalypse. Oh, cool. He was done like the that, way he distorts warlock. It's, it's actually really a really cool cancel. Yeah. Um. They they kind of write Rusty and Skids off almost immediately. Uh, they basically like we're gonna go back to the ship. <laughs> and that's pretty much all we see them with little Eliana, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, also, we get a bunch of Feral on here, which is cool because she would later be an X Force. Oh. So that's kind of like a fun thing. Also, we get to see Mask be a badass like he always <laughs> is. Like, it's just if he wasn't such a dickhead, it'd be so much cooler. But yeah. But it's like a one shot story, and it's just about how they did their thing. And, um, you know, save the Morlocks and then Apocalypse is like, well, we'll, we'll do something else or something, you know, like it was kind of like a throwaway little fun story, but I mean, it's the Simon since I love yeah, it. Yeah. So. And it was, specifically the Morlock massacre is one of my favorite crossovers mm-hmm. ever. Cause I was literally reading all those. Books. Yeah, yeah. And so the only ones that crossed over were new mutants, X factor, <laughs> Thor and power. Nice. Max. So I was like, Oh, I'm reading all these books. So. I remember that very. It even uh, prefaces that takes place uh, right before New Mutant seventy seven, so it is kind of a throwaway story to yeah. set to maybe prop up more uh, better seventy seven, which is really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I just, I, it's just it's so fun to read to read the silences for me. Like it's just it's really cool. And also, um, just Richter, just <laughs> had he come out then because it's almost like he's it's always been there, <laughs> especially right, this yeah. issue like the bad boy vest and it's like. Maybe put intended, but it's like he was wearing on his sleeves with that fucking with that leather vest. <laughs> yeah. And then the next issue we're getting is X Men Legends twelve, featuring the return of Chris Claremont. Oh. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I got tingles just saying that. And it's gonna be another one of my favorite eras of X Men, right before Excalibur started, when Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler are on their own. Ah, oh, nice. And I'm very excited because this is actually low key one of my favorite kitty outfits. Oh, for sure. I've always liked that one too. Like, I've always really dug it. So oh, I can't wait to see what they do with that. But that's cool. I'm, I really, really liked it. What do you think? Uh, you said, obviously. Oh, yeah. You really it's just very it fun reading the assignments. You didn't really grow up No, I didn't. Yeah. So it's always fun to get that take, that that writing style, on that art style, just like to get, to get a cool modern throwback. It's got, especially because Warlock is there in the background a lot, it's got almost like a psychedelic feel to it mm-hmm. at times. 
Like, I really dug that. Like, their hair is unrealistic. Like, Sam's will stand straight up, yeah. you know, or something like that. Like, I like that a lot. So, and also we get to see Danny. She's already a Valkyrie at that point. She's already seen, right like, the Pegasus, Death Halos, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So cool stuff. Um, next up, a number one, <laughs> Sabretooth, number one. Now, I didn't know what to expect from this. I yeah. thought it might just be a side story, maybe a flashback. Written by Victor Laval, art by Leonard Kirk, color by Rain Barreto, and letter by Corey Petit. Um, when we last saw Sabretooth, he was buried. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Krakoa enveloped him and took him in. I love that we get to see the trial from his perspective. Yeah. And I love the idea that they kind of explore the idea of prison. What is prison? Is is it supposed to redeem you? Or are you supposed to earn your way out? You know, like, are you supposed to learn your lesson? It's not just to throw you away forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's clear Krakoa kind of thinks that. The problem is Sabretooth is fucking terrible. And so <laughs> he basically envisions himself killing everybody. <laughs> like everybody he's ever met. He just basically envisions and he finds out that his basically his his mind is free. He makes a deal with 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 Doug that his mind is free. And can we talk about Warlock yes. briefcase? <laughs> it's like my favorite. I want a briefcase that actually looks mm-hmm. like that. That'd be amazing. But basically, they make the agreement to do that. And I love that he knocks Doug's head off. He's like, "All right, you done?" <laughs> like it's just like, "Have I done?" Or it's like, it's the first time I've done it." No, <laughs> like it was like so cool. But basically, yeah, he just envisions like killing and murdering everybody. I love the Iron Fist reference. I, I wanted to bring that one up. The first, the first appearance of Sabretooth was actually in our Power Man and Iron oh, Fist. Oh, that is so cool. They, he teamed up with the Constrictor. That's the first time. He and then, yeah, I, I caught up with some old acquaintances. That, that was dope. <laughs> yeah, so that one specifically. He, it, there's the shot where he's killing literally every other mutant that's like the wild type. Like them, you know? Yeah. So you can see Wild Child there. You mm-hmm. can see Thorn and Feral and lots of others, you know. So I thought that was kind of cool just to prove he's the, you know, alpha. the <laughs> alpha wolf, you know, like, yeah. And then you see the the creepiest council, the Feral Council. Oh council. Now, the key to this is there's four seats at the Feral Council, but there's only three of them sitting there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Did you like the joke? And, <laughs> which one? Uh, you know who really made a racket when he died? And then all of them in unison. Banshee! <laughs> Assholes. Yeah. I like, he started envisioning like, okay, well, I've killed all my enemies. And he's like, all right, well, now I'm going to be the Creed the King. And he does the fantasy thing. And then he becomes the leader of the Star Jammers, you know? And he's just having all these visions, basically, of what he can do. And then he starts like ghostly appearing around Krakoa, yeah. like a nightmare, like lingering. And you see the world he's built for himself, and it's fucking horrible. Yeah. And then all, and then all of a sudden, the, the sky opens up, and a bunch of mutants are sent down. Now, here's my thing: I need to know mm-hmm. why they're here. Yeah. Because Necra, sure. Mm-hmm. Madison Jeffries. He's kind of like Reed Richards in that he will do some some pretty yeah. bad things. Oya? Not Oya. I love Oya. Okay. She's great. Uh, she's one of the lights, one of Hope's lights. 
uh, when Hope made the five new mutants. Do you remember that? Oh, okay. Yeah, Oya is the one that um, yeah can do fire and ice. Okay. I think yeah. Um, Melter, who is a very minor character, mostly appeared during the Sentinel saga when they were t- when they were guarding Sentinel I, One, kind of the era we were. Reading, I didn't recognize the, the jacket. I I really wanted to be with her with her. Oh, that'd have been dope. And then I'm not I don't know Third Eye very well, so but basically we find out, and this is kinda cool and almost like a good way of coming out of Wave X is this is now mutant hell. Yeah. And now he's the devil. And maybe you can come here and be redeemed after a while, but you're gonna have to deal with Sabretooth torturing <laughs> you. Like ooh, you have two options. You can go to Mephisto's hell or Sabretooth's hell. The former sounds a little better. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, uh, but that's a really cool angle to take with it. Remember, I was kind of wondering, does he get yeah. out? We're going to say for this book, what's going to happen? I had no idea what to expect in this book. And then, like, my surprise was, like, really reading the creative team. It's like, yo, this is a dude who made me cry from fucking Eve. And now he's t- tackling on Sabretooth. Like, yeah, I- I'm actually pretty stoked about this book. It's just such a great dark version of The Way of yes. X. Where The Way of X is about finding faith and hope. This is about finding despair and punishment and it's so cool like i really mm-hmm. dig it so yeah very very good loved it which brings us to our last book x lives of wolverine uh number two and yeah this one is continuing the whole thing we'll be going back in time and saving charles xavier or whatever written by benjamin percy drawn by joshua Cassara, colored by frank martin letter by cory petit um this was a striking. Oh my god! Film. I love that page. Uh, but basically, it jumps between a couple different times where he's had to uh, go back, and he's getting attacked by Omega Red. It also fills in some of the blanks of what happened with Omega Red, mm-hmm. and uh, what, how how that happened, and what's going on there, how Michaela got to him, and stuff like that. So, um, it's really interesting. I really enjoyed it. Just this, also this image. Yes insane but yeah there, there's some interaction with um with with uh akahiro's mother back in then which is very interesting so that's what we're talking about right now but i thought it was really cool um i definitely i'm enjoying it i just want to see where it's gonna i go. know there really hasn't dropped that other like shoe to just like really put it all into perspective on like what is this journey <laughs> like it's like it's it's about it's about charles but it's just like mm-hmm. Logan really is, is hitting wall after wall after wall. And it's just like, where are we going here? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or how are we getting there? Like, is really like how I want to mm-hmm. work it out. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so that's the issues that we've read this week. Hosue, anything else you wanted to talk about? And you kind of tease. Yes. Um, like I said, I got the sweet hardcover for dark red. Excited to read that. Uh, trades that I got. I got, um, Sea of Sorrows, because I, I had to. I, I had the Road of Bones trade, so I was like, might as well have them both together. And then for, I want to say for the second time in print since 2002, I got Truth, Red, White, and Black. The oh, Isaiah nice. Bradley story, I, I've never read this, and it's like, oh, fuck. Like, what? Oh, you no. never read it? Because it, it, it was probably really hard to find, so I was like, it was never really around, and it's like, yo, yeah. yes, give me this. And then one of the things I had always felt like I missed out on reading and I've just been waiting for like complete collections of it or something because I wasn't going to get like seven, eight different trades of it. 
I got the omnibus for Wolverine and the X-Men. And I finally get to read when he's running the school. And oh my God, I get to just finally learn on so much I, I've been missing out on. That's amazing. Yeah, like, because like, really this cool. shit has not been in, like, in any sort of collected form, like, in trades. But it's like, again, I didn't want to go through, like, all those multiple trades. Um, and that's honestly my one blank spot in all of X-Men really, history. I know a little bit, but not Really much. nice. Because, like, I was following the Bendis stuff, the Uncanny X-Men, and then the, the all-new X-Men, the Time Displaced X-Men. But I knew they kind of fucked around here as well, because, like, the some of the Time Displaced X-Men stick around here. But it was, like, again, like, a, a blank spot for me, too, for those times. It's like, ugh. This I think I'm gonna back to back this one after Ecstatics because I think I think Dupe is in this book too. Mm-hmm. He is. He's the jam. <laughs> God damn it! I've read a, I've read a couple volumes, um, but that whole era of X Men, basically post San Francisco or post ADX yeah. up to about Krakoa, is really. Hated. I know. I wish I kind of understood more on like the the X Men Red, Blue, and Gold runs. Like I really don't get what those books that kind of get yep. you, uh, and they're kind of like the ones that kind of. Si- kind of set up before the reset of Hawksbox. Uh but yeah, I, I wanted the the cover A cuz it's like the the cover like the main cover with the uh, Bachalo Bacalo. I put it Wolverine put it like the claws with like the other students, but then I was really looking at it like as my only option. I was like, "Yo, these are the teachers." So it's like, "You know what? I'll take this one." <laughs> mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like is it's one of several arcs that kind of misuse Husk. Oh, really? Which he's one of the most misused X-Men, mm-hmm. I think. She's, her character gets assassinated regularly, and it really bothers me. But because I love the Guthries, yeah, know, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so, anything else? Um, no, those are the main buys. Of now that the now that the new comic book week is over, we've recorded. I can actually finally dive deep into that ecstatic omnibus, which I've just been oof, I'm just so excited for. Nice. Uh, I've been reading my manga as usual, mm-hmm. but I had to give a quick uh, worrisome shout out to. Maga-chan, uh, chapter 76. Uh, it ends with a awesome, huge group photo of the whole cast. They're taking a photo together. Yeah. So it's literally every character that's basically ever yeah. appeared. And then it says, this is the end of Magu-chan, God of Destruction. And then the bottom says, there's a little bit more to go. <gasps> it's just kind of closing arc, closing chapters. Tying up, tying up, tying up chapters. No. Yeah. Oh no. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm sorry if you were there alone. Yeah. Yeah. So so I guess I don't need a Shonen Jump. (laughs) Uh, So um, I also want to talk about, I've been reading Don't Panic, a book written by Neil Gaiman about Douglas Adams writing Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, okay. That's cool. It's about like how he made it and all this stuff and how he handled like the TV adaptation. And it was originally a radio play and like there was a theatrical version and all this different stuff. It's fascinating. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I'm almost done with that. Uh, as far as new stuff that I'm actually really looking forward to, um, I made a couple big purchases. Nice. But the biggest one, the one I want to talk about today is right here. <laughs> Right here, the the new D and D book Whoa, came out, that's cool. and they did a deluxe box set of three of the books. That one and two new two nice. older ones. I had both to go to one, so I just gave them. Oh, cool. So now this one is a. It came out normal, like normal uh, appearance, mm-hmm. and then this deluxe version. Nice. 
I got the plus <laughs> yeah. version. So it looks like this. Oh, that is so nice. It's all stark white. Here's the back. Oh, my God. That is so cool. And the books involve first guide to everything, Tasha's cauldron of everything, and monsters of the multiverse. Nice. So they normally look like Dean Dean books. (gasps) This is Xanathar's. Oh, those are so nice. (laughs) And on the back is a quote from Xanathar, who is a beholder. And it says, I don't understand the attraction of gods. Why would anyone worship anything other than me? That is my Magushad. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Now, these these books, by the way, are the ones that are basically, here's a bunch of of player options. Mm-hmm. So, this is this one. Oh, my God. They're just like those centered, oh, so cool, by themselves. And a quote from her as well. My mother once said, Natasha, my pumpkin, do you want to be a witch or a queen? I answered, both mother and it's Tasha. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the last one, the new book is Monsters of the Multiverse. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's funny because those bastards at Wizards knew how to get my money. The box that came out, but the individual book doesn't come out for a couple months. <laughs> so if I want the book right away, I have to buy the box at Wars. Oh, yeah. But check out this cover. Nice. And on the back it says. The multiverse shines with countless wonders, yet I've seen so many of them that, I've, that I'm rarely awed. Not so with the Kirin, this thing. They fill me with awe every time. And the key to this one is, you know how in D&D you start off with like nine playable races? You have like elves, dwarves, humans, half-elves, etc., 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 right? Well, this book adds this many races, this whole first column. Amazing. And I'll run through them real quick. The Aarakocra, a Seamer, Bugbear, Centaur. Yes, you can play a yes. Centaur. Changeling, Deep Gnome, Durger, a Ladrin, a Fairy, a Furbolg, Air, Earth, Fire, and Water Genasis, Githyanki, Githsarai, Goblin, Goliath, Herongon, which is like a humanoid rabbit, uh, Hobgoblin, Kinku, uh, Kobold, Lizardfolk, Minotaur, Orc, Sater, Sea Elf, Shader, Shutterkai, Shifter, Tabaxi, Tortle, Triton, and Yonti. So lots of shit going on there. I really, I'm digging into it and I really like it and I can't wait to play. So that's been very, very, very exciting. So yeah, but that's pretty much it. Um, so don't forget to check us out on Twitter. You can check our show out at WHI Podcast. You can check me out WHI Podcast Keith. Our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. Also, check out Hosway at Hosway Reads Hosway on Twitter. Check out our other show, Jukebox Vertigo at Jukebox Vertigo. Uh, that's the show where we build a playlist every week around a randomized musical category. Uh, the next one is going to be a song you like from an artist that you hate. And on that next episode, we're going to be joined by our friend Manda. And we're going to be picking songs from um, artists we don't really like, but songs that we do. And I don't think I'm repeating one from last time. Because I've had some ones that really have popped into my head. That I'm like, <laughs> yes, those. Um, so I'm very excited. And I can't wait to see what Amanda comes up with. Cause, yeah. I know. That'll be a new brain to pick on like for the specific category. It's, just, it's so fun to, to, oh, yeah. to get our truths out. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, finally, uh, check out Hostway on Twitch. At Hostway Plays Hostway. When he is able to stream, uh, he'll be streaming on there. And uh, we have a lot of fun when he streams. Usually I show up, we talk a bunch yeah. of trash. I'm usually posting all kinds of comic book news and stuff. So 
but yeah, that's it. Uh, don't forget to bag, board, and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Mm-hmm.